Hey, welcome to the 277th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm, I've been doing some movies uh, lately. I, I just did Avatar, the first Avatar, obviously, because uh, we have Avatar Way Out of the Water coming out this week. And um, I'm, I'm going to do another movie this week and maybe even another one after that because I, I haven't figured out like what comic series I want to visit, revisit. So you can hear about movies and comics, extra 30 minutes every week. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash heck. All right, so I'm, I'm feeling a little better than I was last week. Last week was horrible. Oh, my goodness. And it's it's still been some, like, rough nights of sleep with, with just being so stuffed up. And oh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy what a, a difference a week makes. And, yeah. So, anyways, this week uh, we're, we're kind of in a weird territory where we're getting towards the end of the year. But there's really not a lot coming out. Like, the next couple weeks, there's – I don't think – there, I'm going to be going to the movie theater usually like Christmas day that week. There's usually something big that comes out, but I mean, it's going to be things on like on Netflix, I think, what, what I'll be covering. So, this week, as, as I mentioned, is Avatar Way of the Water. So, you're going to hear all about that. And then I'm going to do Doom Patrol, obviously, continue that. Now, I'm finally getting around to his dark material. I'm feeling really bad about this because. There are now four episodes out, and maybe when you listen to this, there might be six episodes because it looks like they're doing two episodes a week, which is killing me. And this week, I think I'm only going to do one. I, I Maybe I'll do two. I, I have a feeling I'm probably going to end up doing one just because of time and everything like that. I don't know if there's interest in the, in the show because I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. I think it's a cool show. It's a little heavy, uh, like just not not really heavy, but you, you'll see when I, when I talk about it if, if you're familiar with it. And also, I, I talked about the first two seasons, so I, I feel obligated to do that. But if there's like zero interest, or if there's a lot of interest, you know, it, I, I'm I'm open either way. I'm maybe probably going to do hit, uh, National Treasure just because there's no other shows that are starting up in the next few weeks. So, you know, I, I want to cover something. I don't just want this to be, you know, like a <laughs> – although if it was just like a like a two-hour podcast or an hour and a half, that that's like the old days. It would be crazy. But I Disney Plus dropped uh, two episodes. You know, they, they made four available, but I think only two came out. And then I think this week there's only – one more, but I so I don't know. I may get a, a chance to watch the next two, but it's I think it's worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the, of the movies. You know, there's there's potential. There's some cringy parts to it with the writing. Maybe things will, will iron out or you know get get better. But I'm I'm intrigued enough so far that it's not going to be like oh big chore to, to try to watch that. And uh, that that's it for the shows. So his dark material, National Treasures, Doom Patrol. That's it. And then comics and uh, news. So let's let's get to the news. Uh, more stuff with like DC, with like James Gunn. 
big James Gunn news. He's going to be writing a Superman movie. And more specific, he's going to be writing about like a younger Superman. That means no Henry Cavill. And I know there's like the the hardcore. It's it's mainly that the Snyder fans are like so angry over this. I, I I mean Henry Cavill was has the potential to be a great Superman. You know he he has a, the the just the look, the build, the, the charisma. Don't get me started on Man of Steel. I know some people love it. I I didn't love it. But they, you know, they, they have this 10-year plan. So it makes sense that, you know, they, they probably want to start younger so they can stick to, like, a bigger, you know, story and, and have actors commit longer and, and, and so forth. It, 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 there's, there's, I, I, I saw some people like, just, just, like, so angry about this. And they're like, you know, oh, boycott everything DC and all that. I, I get that, you know, people being angry, but it 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 comes down to the financial d- decisions. And I don't know why we never got a Man of Steel 2, you know, what what the deal was. And and the thing is, like, Henry Cavill, he's he's so busy. Uh, like, uh, he's he's going to be possibly starring in, in producing a Warhammer 40,000 series for Amazon. Apparently, it's it's not a closed deal yet. Um, so this is the Hollywood reporter mentioned this and they, they also said that this wouldn't be his next project that, you know, he's he, because things are still being worked out that, you know, once the deal is, is put in place and they have to get like writers and, and so forth like that. But the fact that this is a possibility means that he, he's been eyeing this before. It's not like all of a sudden they're like, Oh, DC decided they're going to go with a different Superman. Do you want to do this? There must've been some talks about that before. I think he's just in in demand. I don't know if he could commit to as as much Superman as maybe they they would like, and I, I don't know. So we'll see. We ha- we you know we have to trust that they they know what they're doing. But you know some people are just so angry, and he's like you're not involved with the whole process. And and the, the other thing is these characters we they don't belong to us. You know they they belong to Warner Brothers as a corporate entity or whatever. They can do whatever they feel is, is necessary. And and yes, we have the choice of supporting it or not supporting it, but they're not going to like purposely go out and try to make a piece of garbage that's going to upset everyone. You know, they they want to make the best thing possible so people will, will continue to, you know, support it and and want want to check it out. So we'll see, but you know, going along with this, and this is this is why you know you have to be careful when you read the news because so many things, one you know, especially depending on the source, where someone will 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 go with the story, and that's not necessarily one hundred percent accurate. You know, you you don't unless you hear it directly. I'm constantly hearing like all these reports and this and that like that, and I'm like, how come there wasn't like an official statement? It's like, how do you know so and so is is actually going to do this or not do this or whatever? When there's like no official soundbite of them saying it. It's it's all these people have all these sources that are possibly saying stuff. In a lot of cases, yes, the sources are are good and trustworthy, but in a lot of cases. People are just flat out making stuff up. I mean, for for a while, I don't know what's with the, the Facebook algorithm. I don't go to Facebook for news. I don't trust it because I've, I've mentioned some of these hate sites that they just like post stuff that that's just like 
really skewed. Like, uh, I, I don't know if I reported on it, but but there is an actor in Ms. Marvel that was accused, or I, mean, I don't know if he, if he was convicted. No, he must be just accused of, like, child grooming. And and I think this was, like, on a totally different project. It had nothing to do with Ms. Marvel. But because this came out, they're like, Ms. Marvel star accused of, of child grooming and stuff like that. So, one, this dude wasn't even a star. I don't, I don't remember who he played but he wasn't like a main main actor and of course (laughs) of all the images they use for ms marvel star they use a picture of brie larson it's like what (laughs) and so so it's basically they're trying to make it look like brie larson's accused of child grooming so it's like you you can't trust these these sites and so, so i don't know but there's some stuff with with patty jenkins where she says that she didn't just walk away from wonder woman that she was open to considering, you know, anything that was like asked of her, and she says that, like, her. Then this is where, where this is where it gets a little questionable what, what's going on because she says that the the articles or whatever about her leaving Wonder Woman three and and killing the project that those were just like clickbait articles that people were just just doing that and that again that happens a lot where people don't don't have all the information and they may take something and they're like oh well let's let's skew the title a little bit to get more more page views but she so she says it was it was a claim it was clickbait but it was like Deadline Hollywood Reporter and like the Wrap they they reported on it and they tend to be pretty accurate you know they don't really do like the clickbait stuff so usually if they report on something it's it's pretty near like official if not official so i don't really know what that means and but she's also i I guess apparently rogue squadron is still in development i guess when she kind of put a pause on it because she wanted to work on wonder woman it didn't get that project didn't get killed completely they're like okay you know we'll keep it in development and and you know see when we can get to it so I guess that's a good thing that you know she still has that. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Other DC stuff. John Cryer. So John Cryer played uh, Ducky and Pretty in Pink, but that's not what we're, we're talking about right now. He um, apparently will not not be playing Lex Luthor in Superman and Lois season three. He, he was contacted. He was given a heads up that the, that they're going to go a different way with with the character. He says that it was very classy of them to let him know because, you know, a lot of times this stuff, when it comes out into trades, you know, in articles, that's when people are like, oh, I guess I don't have a job or whatever. But he even said that he he's not even sure he would have been able to do anything because he has a, a series on NBC starting in February. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I got I got to say. I wasn't super duper crazy about his Lex Luthor and it would, I wouldn't say it's necessarily anything to do with him, but more with like just the writing of the character. But maybe I just don't like Lex Luthor. Uh, I don't know. So Superman and Lois will be coming back on Tuesday, March 14th on the same day. <laughs> Gotham Knights will be premiering after uh, Superman and Lois. So that'll be like at 9 p.m. So you have that to, to look forward to. The Flash season nine. There was a promo that came out for that. I don't feel like it really showed very much. It's it's like we run running for one last time or whatever. And he's talking to like I'm going to need your help. And I don't even know who he's talking to, what he's doing. There's a lot of run, run, Barry, run, and 
But that's coming back February eighth, so we have have that to look forward to, and I'm sure that that'll be here sooner than or you know than we realize, or faster than we realize. I don't know what I'm trying to say. There was a trailer finally for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to not get my hopes up, but I wasn't super duper impressed with the trailer. I think part of it was a lot of the trailer was like scenes from the first movie. And I'm just, I'm not trying to be skeptical or anything. Or I'm not trying to be like just a, a Debbie Downer, or a jerk or anything. But we, we had these big delays, which I always say, yes, delay it. Don't crank it out and make it garbage. But the fact, and, and I don't know, the, the, the fact that they use like reuse footage, like first movie scenes, are, are, does that mean that either they're holding back or they're not ready yet? You know, they don't have the footage. And I, I you know, I, I also questioned the whole thing where they're supposed to be like, I think they said it was like six different animation styles, you know, when they go into the different multiverse. That That's cool and all that. I'm wondering, and, and I don't know if, if the information is available, but it's like, is it the same animation team working on the different styles or are they saying, oh, now we can hire this team or this team or this team, and they can do the different things simultaneously. So that could be a way to make things go faster, and it could also be a way to take the load off the main animation team. I have no idea. I, I know nothing about the process of animation, you know. so I'd be like talking out my butt if, if you know, I even tried to say anything. But it just, I don't know, that's just how I feel. But I'm sure I'm, I, I know I'm going to love the movie when it comes out. But I just... I mean, I'm just antsy. I just, you know, I want to watch it, but again, I I don't want to rush it if if it's not not ready. So we'll see. Hideo Kojima, I think, is a brilliant brilliant man. He he's working on and he's developing a Death Stranding movie, live action movie. I never played Death Stranding, and you know, it, it's just because of time. You know, I I don't have time to to commit to video games as much as I love. I'm so fascinated. I, I want to play video games, but I just, I can't because I'm doing this. With the, when the game came out, I was like, I don't, I, I still even don't even know like what the the main focus of the story was, but it just, it looks so interesting. So they may be making a movie, but there apparently it would be like introducing new elements instead of just like rehashing the the story of the game. So I think that's kind of cool. It, it could be kind of a bummer if, you know, you wanted to see that that played out, but I guess maybe it doesn't really make sense. Uh, to me, it seems like do the game and then introduce, you know, maybe introduce some new things and then do a sequel. But that's okay. They can do it. You know, it's not up to me. Bad news if you're a warrior nun. Is that what it's called? Warrior nun? That doesn't sound right now. Uh, Netflix show. Actually, I don't even know if it was a Netflix show. I know Netflix did the second season. Did they do the first season? Did they pick it up? Either way, it's getting canceled. So two seasons, show's done. I've, I've honestly, I've never even watched it. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know when it came out. It, there was, where was the promotion? How did I completely miss this? You know, it's based off a comic. Uh, was it Ben Dunn? I, the, the, I, I I could be wrong, so I, I'm not super familiar with with the character, and that could be another reason why it's you know just not on my radar. But you know, people seem to have liked it, but maybe not enough people liked it. I, I don't know. It's it's always weird when you know these shows have their followings and they end up getting canceled. 
and you know you 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 see the, the the strong passionate fan base trying to get angry and support it it's like oh you need to renew it this and that and they're saved the show and but again it, it comes down to money you know i mean look at me i was like one of the biggest agents of shield fans i, I was so bummed when it got canceled or when it ended i mean it, it did, did it get canceled or did it end i think it just it kind of ended they kind of figured that that's where i don't know you can argue it either way but when people are trying to say you know bring it back bring it back you you kind of can't you know when 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 a show ends people start going their, their separate ways you know, it, it's not like the, the actors and everyone are going to sit around and like, okay, I'm just going to wait just in case. It's like, no, you, you try getting other gigs. And I'm sure there's a reason. And, you know, if the show was super popular, if it had a humongous fan, you know, they it has to be something with the cost. I don't know. It, it, it's just it's just crazy. Speaking of, of costs and canceling whatever, mention how, you know, I mentioned before Westworlds is canceled. Now it, it appears that The Nevers is canceled as well. Which is weird. So the Nevers was the the show developed by Joss Whedon, who he ended up leaving. You know, after all these allegations of him, you know, the way he treated uh, women or just people in general, it might have been. But even you know, several of the women on the Nevers are like, there was never any problem with him. So I, I don't know. You know, it's, it, this is always the. You never know, you know, unless you're there and you specifically see something, you know, there's just no telling like what has happened or hasn't happened. But the show, you know, so he left the show, new showrunner, everything like that. And it was interesting, you know, it takes place in the late 1800s. I don't know at a time. And, you know, these, a lot of people have been touched and they got these like abilities. And was it just women? I don't even remember. But there's like six episodes and it's canceled. The weird stuff that what Warner Brothers, Discovery, whatever, what they're doing. So they're like removing shows completely from HBO Max, which ticks me off because I thought that this was going to be like a safe haven for all this stuff. Like I can watch Adventure Time there forever. It's always going to be there. I don't need to worry about it going anywhere. But that's not always the case because, you know, a lot of stuff would... With these other shows, like when Netflix has had friends, you know, they had that forever and then the license, you know, runs out. But I, I just assume stupidly that if it's a Warner Brothers product, that it can live there for forever. But they're pulling a bunch of shows like uh, Westworld and The Nevers, and they're going to put them on, I guess, what, I don't know if they're called fast channels. I don't think that's an actual channel, but it's supposed to be uh, free ad-supported TV. I don't know if that's what the T stands for. So it's supposed to be, like I guess, kind of like the Roku channel. And... Um, free freebie free something there there's i think amazon or imdb has a free channel or something like that where basically there's ads and you can watch stuff and when i watched uh the weird al yankovic story it wasn't that bad having the ads but you know i would have rather watched it on you know something that didn't have ads but but that that's fine so it looks like they're going to do that now the 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 kind of shady thing that kind of bo- what what really bothers me so I read I read this on Entertainment Weekly, and they mentioned that part of the reason of them doing this could be is they HBO Max or Warner Brothers whatever won't have to pay royalties to anyone involved with the show for it being on their streaming service. That sounds like super shady 
Because if you know you you work on the show, you got this deal, and you're like, okay, you're going to be getting royalties off of this. That's like awesome. You know, I, I put in my time, I got this awesome deal. I'm going to you know get residuals, or whatever. But now it's like, nope, we're, we're not doing that because we're going to license it out, and we'll make money off of that, but you won't. I think that's how it works. Apparently, the Westworld creators you know they're like we're, we're looking forward to having our show being presented to new audiences and be, or being available and but i don't know i mean hopefully they get a part something out of the deal but it just just seems weird so it's looking like those last six episodes of the nevers will will show on whatever wherever it ends up going which is like i really don't want to watch it on with ads i don't know we'll see James Cameron, you know, he has this movie coming out this week, or that is out. He had some. He talked about Terminator: Dark Fate, which is is kind of interesting because there's there's some like argument over the movies, like the directions, but you know they they butted head. But that that's it's good that you know you you don't just roll over because um, who who's working on it? Tim, I can't remember who 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 worked on it. But there, there's some different things. Like you know, he he felt that if he's going to do a Terminator movie, it's got to be with Arnold Schwarzenegger because you know they they've been doing it for, for 40 years or whatever and all this stuff like that. And I think the other person wanted uh, Sarah Sarah Connors wanted uh, Linda Linda. Oh my gosh, don't ask me. I'm it's been a long week. So basically, what James Cameron was saying that the movie it was kind of like an old person's movie, an older person's movie, I should say, because he, he, I think what he said is like, it wasn't like your Terminator was like your dad's Terminator because, you know, you have these actors that you're like, you know, the, if you, if you look, make it like a sequel to the first or the, the Terminator two, I think he said something like, like that movie came out before, you know, a lot of the audience was even born. So then I think that's why there just wasn't a lot of interest in it because these the younger moviegoers weren't invested in it. They're like, okay, what is this? I don't know. So that's just too bad. I mean, I I I had some issues with the movie. I didn't hate it, you know, I, but when I looked at it, I was like, there's probably not going to be another Terminator movie after this because I don't think that, you know, this is going to be successful. So yeah, that's just too bad. Uh, Adam Driver. So Adam Driver has a movie coming out this month in December, I think at the end of the end of the month on Netflix, I forget what it's called, but I'll, I'll probably be, that'll be like the, the feature that week. He also has another movie coming out from Sony called 65. So a trailer came out for this. I hadn't heard anything about this. So what it look appears to be, because again, I haven't read anything about it. I just watched the trailer once. He's like a, a space pilot. He, you know, he, he's, carrying this uh ship full of people in like uh, cryo tubes or something like that and the ship gets hit by a meteor so it ends up having the, the crash land there's i think only one survivor was like a girl so he, you know he's trying to keep this girl alive and he's on on some alien planet but then they're not alone there's like friggin dinosaurs on on this why is it called 65 because it's supposed to be 65 million years ago so the question is what it what it sounds like obviously this is in the future if it's a, a interstellar ship with cryopods or whatever somehow it crashes and crashes in the past 65 million years ago if that's the case 
him, Adam Driver, walking around with like a space gun rifle, that, blowing things up, blowing dinosaurs up or rocks or whatever, does it get kind of like butterfly effect of change things? Or was it just that maybe that just always happened? Or could it be, I don't think this is the case, that this is really 65 million years ago and then this was, yeah, I don't think they're going that way. But I, that looks interesting. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, John Krasinski isn't sure about his Fantastic Four future. He he doesn't know anything about it. He said that, you know, he Kevin Feige called him, like, hey, you want to do something with us and play in our sandbox? And he did it, I think, after wrapping, I don't know if it was the last season of Reacher, or not Reacher, of... Uh, uh, what's, what's his name? <laughs> Why am I? My brain is dead. Jack. It's not Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Just, you know, there's this show. The Tom Clancy. The, the Harrison Ford played a character. And I still only watched the first season of this show. I still need to watch. Isn't there like three seasons or is there only two seasons? I feel like they're, uh, I'm, I'm behind. Anyways, he, so he doesn't know <laughs> what what's going on. And, you know, he, he said that it was like, you know, weird and cool you know, being in this room with all these other big people and then getting like turned to spaghetti or whatever he's like it's not really the way he envisioned his his tenure at marvel going but you know it was fun either way so who knows i think it'd be cool to to see him back but i feel like they're going to want to go younger you know or someone that's going to commit to to more because john krasinski you know he's directing and he's starring and stuff is he going to want to lock into like a, you know, nine picture deal, six picture deal, three picture deal? So we'll see. But I, I think it'd be cool. Who knows? NBC has is giving Quantum Leap a second season. Is anyone watching that besides me? And I don't mean that like, is anyone watching the show? Because I only watched the first episode. And if I had more time, if there's nothing, I would probably watch it. But because it's network television for one thing, and I just didn't want to really watch it. I, I thought the first episode was okay. The fact that there was no Sam Beckett didn't made me lose a little bit of interest. But you know, you never know if they can work something out with Scott Bakula. So it's coming back. So good news for those involved with the show, those working on the show, and and anyone watching the show that's a fan of the show. Um, maybe at some point I'd watch it, but who knows? And then the last bit of news: Donald Glover is going to be in a Marvel, is going to be in a Sony Marvel movie. He's going to be in the Hypno Hustler. I guess he's going to be like producing or exec producing because that's what everyone does these days. And yet, I, th I think Hypno Hustler only appeared once. So part of the thing that I guess what he likes about that is that there's not a lot of, a lot of baggage. So you can kind of do like what you want. So he's like, that's cool. And and I, But then they're saying that, yeah, it could be like disco themed or whatever. Or, you know, they they could make it some sort of rap or hip hop or you know do who knows what so <laughs> we'll have to see it's just kind of crazy that sony is just you know all these all the whatever characters they can think of let's let's make a movie and see if we can make a franchise <laughs> so i don't know but what i do know is that's gonna be the news for the week as far as comics go at 
image, there was another a Bone Orchard Black Feathers book. And I've, I never read, I don't think I read the second and the third one. So the fourth one is out. And I'm not sure if these are, I don't, I, I'm almost positive they're not like connected. I think they're all separate. This one says Jackie and Trish are forced to re- relive the events of a terrible night in their teen years when the past comes crashing back to haunt the present. And even though she doesn't have a choice either way, Trish is re- ready to fight this time. So yeah, that sounds like it's, it's a totally separate thing. So I should have read it, but I didn't. Um, I did read Dark Ride issue three. So this is uh, the Joshua Williamson, Andre Bresson. Um, so this is uh, the amusement park that's like a horror amusement park. And there's like just weird stuff happening. you know. And uh, the first issue, this guy started working there and <laughs> something happened to him. Uh, I, he got killed or mutated or uh, whatever. So his sister kind of started working there. You know, she's like, "What happened, to my brother?" Because he started worked there one day and then he's gone. She in this is, issue, she's been talking to this, uh, not really conspiracy guy, but he's he's kind of like a YouTuber, like a, a vlogger or whatever, who is like reporting on on all the histories and secrets of the park and you know stuff like that. So he he's there all, like all the time and he's able to obtain footage and stuff like that so like there's footage of his brother or her brother actually being there and and then there's stuff with the creator uh with his kids you know stuff going on because the last issue something happened to the son's daughter where she like started like cutting herself you know this little girl so things are things are getting nuts and then uh yeah i won't say anything more but but there's some some cool things there Hell to Pay issue two came out, so this is uh, Charles Soule and Will Sliney. We have this this couple, and they they went to like this it's kind of like a, like a magic college type of thing, but it's kind of dark magic. They they do all this stuff, and they want to be free. You know, they're like indebted to this organization. You know, they they want to they want to go off on their own. They because while you're there, while you're in debt to them or whatever, it's like you can't have kids. And and uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but she's like pregnant. And if they they find out she's pregnant, then they'll take the kid away or something like that. So their their task to be free is to find this like 666 demon coins that have that like someone brought out from hell or whatever like that. The the coins if used can like summon a demon. So like they're like we need to get possession of all these coins and everything. But what happened in, in the first issue is as they're retrieving like the final coins, they end up, or maybe it was, I don't know if it was the last coin or last two coins, but they end up there ended up being an extra coin. Like this one collector dude who they worked their way to whatever to get, he had more than one. And they're like, wait, how can that be? Because there's only supposed to be, I think, I'm pretty sure 666, right? Because that would be the easy number. And when uh, they report back on this, they're like, "Okay, so we're done. You know, we 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 did our mission. We we got the six hundred sixty six. So we'll share whatever information we got, so you can prep a new team." And they're like, um, "What new team?" He's like, "You haven't completed this mission, so they need to keep keep going." So that's uh, they're not happy with that, and, and that that's pretty crappy on, on on their part. But that's how how it goes. Uh, love everlasting. Uh, I don't think I, now I'm not sure if I, I read this, this issue. Yeah, maybe I didn't. I, I thought I did. 
So this is a Tom King Elsa charioteer, uh, and it's it's about this woman who it's it's like romance comics, romance stories. She's always in these different romance situations, and then something happens. She usually gets killed or something like that, and then it's like the next story. So it's like something is going on. Um, I I don't think I read that now. That I, I feel because it feels like it's it's been a while. There was Nightclub Number One. So this is Mark Miller and Juanan Ramirez. Uh, apparently, this series will be a dollar ninety nine because like the solicit says, take that Marvel and DC. So that that's that's very bold right there. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty nuts, pretty cool. So. As far as this first issue, um, I'm not. Re- it, it, it's the first issue. I'm not really sure where this is going to go. But you have this 17 year old kid. He has a couple friends, and he wants to be like YouTube famous. And you know, he decides, like, I'm going to do some parkour and you know, film this stuff, and people watch the videos, and we'll make money and everything like that. <laughs> it doesn't go too well. He ends up like, you know, he's trying to he's trying to do parkour like on a bike ends up falling off the roof breaks his neck or whatever he's in the hospital then he gets bit by a vampire <laughs> and so now he's a vampire and, and this guy's like i won't say like much about the, the vampire what why well the the, the 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 dude who turned him into vampire is like trying to form an army we don't have like specific like army for what we don't know yet but now you have the 17 year old he's he's a vampire and uh What's he going to do with that? You know, because he, he he can go go back to school, but he can't go out in the sunlight. You know, he he found that out right away that you know that's going to affect him. So, one thing I was expecting to see, which I'm sure is going to happen, because with one his one friend, there's it's a guy and a girl, and the guy's like getting taunted by the basketball, you know, captain or whatever. He's this big dude. You know, doesn't look like a basketball player quite so much, but he's he's giving a hard time, but because he got the homework wrong and he you know this friends is supposed to be doing homework for him he's like i'm not even like the smartest you know person out there or whatever so he's you know get, get bullying him hitting him because you know he's gonna make an example of him or whatever and so it just seems like the typical stuff so i'm sure he's gonna get visited by a vampire soon at some point so we'll see where this is gonna go uh and how this ties into like the beginning with the the videos and all that what does that mean and with this army so check, you can check that out, Nightclub. Then there's Radiant Black, issue 20. So last issue, there's like this giant robot uh, appeared in Brazil. So Radiant Black and uh, Pink, I think, go to, to try to figure out like what, what's going on and everything like that. And um, I'm not sure where – I don't know if I missed something. I don't know where it came from and what, what what's happening, but that's that's not a, a good thing. So um, And then there's some stuff with like Radiant Yellow – um, I'm not really sure what he's doing, but you, you have that. Oh, and then I did read uh, G.I. Joe 300. And uh, what I will say, so one of the things that I discovered that I totally missed when it happened is Snake Eyes was dead. Let's just say that's not quite the, the case anymore. But it was weird that there's this dude, because what threw me off, there's this dude named Sean who's like Snake Eyes. And I think like Snake Eyes' memories have been like put into him somehow. So he has like his memories and his abilities, but he's still Sean. 
<laughs> but now I guess uh, Snake Eyes is back too. But so what, what's crazy about this this issue is you know just, it's, things are, are you know, big crazy fights and all this stuff like that totally ends on a cliffhanger, and this is like the last issue. Then there's still no word of what the heck is happening. We don't know. Maybe they do, but we, yeah, what does this mean? Uh, and hopefully, like I said last time, whenever I talked about it, that they'll they'll get a, a deal with Larry Hama to, to continue this because I'm I'm curious. Like, what what does all this mean? At DC, there's a, I, I feel so out of loop. I I, I think part of it is. You know, I used to get a lot more like press releases from DC, and now I, I get them occasionally. Um, but Danger Street, I don't know anything about Danger Street. So it's by Tom King, Jorge Fornes, and Dave Stewart does the the colors. I don't even know how how to describe this. It's um, it's it doesn't quite feel like your regular superhero book. But it, it starts off where we see, like, Dr. Fate's helmet. And, you know, that's, like, changing possession. Um, there's, like, Jack Ryder, Creeper. He's he's has, like, a big role here. You know, we see him a lot. And then uh, there's uh, some dudes. I don't know who, who they are. There's 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 a knight and there's a starman, um, I think. And uh, Metamorpho. You know, they're, they're involved with, with this as, as well. So... It's a, I mean, I, I got interested in, in the story because, you know, there, like I said, there's this lady cop and then there's these, these kids and, you know, then stuff mentions a dark side. And I, 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 just, I just don't know, like, where, what the, the direction or purpose of the, the series is going to go. But it, it is it, it was interesting because it's something different. And maybe that's what I kind of like, that it's not like deep, heavy into like whatever is passing as continuity now. So you know you can just read this and not have to worry about all that. And it just seems like Tom King likes doing this, you know, like with a human target, take some more unknown character and you can just kind of shove him into this little corner and just, you know, tell your story there and not have to worry about everything else going on. So, okay. Wonder Woman 794. Uh, I wasn't super crazy about, about this. I, I, couldn't even really tell you just like fighting and organizing there's there's still stuff with the milk company i think and i don't know uh we we find out a little bit more like who's involved with some stuff superman the son of kal-el issue 18 so this is uh part six of kal-el returns and basically the this red sun dude this this kid he's like 17 his parents worked for LexCorp, and, and they were designing some like anti-Superman stuff or whatever like that. They end up getting killed in this accident or attack or something like that. So the kid blames Superman or John Kent or whatever, and he he takes their their text that they were working on, and he was able to finish it, and it can like take away Superman's power or John's power. So that's not good, and uh, it's just some interesting things there. I am Batman issue sixteen. This is a you know there, there's these like attacks happening and it's like does it have anything to do with Jace Fox and you know do people know did they figure out his secret what's going on and then there's the fact that his sister is a vigilante or trying to be a vigilante and he Jace becomes aware of that 
and you know just but it turns out that there's a something more going on that jace's the lucius and his wife aren't aren't telling they they got some secret and it's just like okay what is this going to mean then there's dark crisis big bang so this was um another dark crisis book like we have a story with barry and wallace and you know there's talk of like their first crisis and, and different things like that we get little glimpses at other earths you know and how there's going to be like a lot more earths now i guess and fighting the anti-monitor you have it stuff like that batgirls issue 13 so this is a picking up where the annual left off with uh, Stephanie and Cassandra getting their bodies switched. So um, Stephanie is supposed to be meeting with Lady Shiva. So it's like, can she convince her that, you know, she is who she is, like what's going on? Wildcats issue two. Um, I, I enjoyed the, the first issue. And this issue... It was weird because Steven Segovia did the art, and I think I think he did the art for the first one. But at some point, the art just felt, it almost it felt like it was just a different artist. And some panels, I hate to say it, I hate to, to you know, I don't want to say anything mean or anything, but some panels just didn't look that good, and they just felt like kind of like rough or just like rushed. Other panels look look really cool, so it's just weird. I'm like. It, so it was, it was it it was a little distracting at times because I was just like whoa like what what's happening here is like that's grifter I, I don't know and then there's like what do you do with wildcats because some information starts is getting you know they're supposed to be covert you know that's part of the name right that's that is that what the C is and uh, someone's like leaking some information out so uh, they may have to do something about that and then the other thing is. Something happens with Death Blow, and um, there's like a new Death Blow. They can make a new Death Blow, but you, when you see it, you you know what I'm talking about. But I'm like, wait, what? They can do something like this? Batman Spawn number one. Uh, you know, Greg Capullo art, awesome. It just you know brings back memories to the Capullo Scott Snyder run. So just very, very intense and you know, just so so good to see. The story, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just, just so over Spawn. I'm just so out of touch with Spawn. But the like the merging of the two is kind of weird. And, and obviously someone is manipulating things because they're trying to say that the night uh, Thomas and Martha died is the same night that Wanda died. I didn't even know Wanda was dead. Uh, Al Simmons' wife, her ex-wife, whatever you call her. So they're they're trying to like put make like spawn think that Batman's to read the cause of it or whatever or vice versa and stuff like that. Trying to get them to fight and there's stuff with the Court of Owls, but there's like, is it really the Court of Owls or is someone like using the Court of Owls? And so there's just some some weird things that that happen here and and uh, yeah, I, I just I didn't love the story. But I, I did love the art. And then Batman Incorporated issue three. So uh, Ghostmaker, you know, he's taken over Batman Incorporated. And he's, you know, working with his, his team. Someone's been targeting his past teachers, like he, his and uh, Bruce's teachers, like killing them. So he's trying to figure out what, what's going on. And uh, 
once we see the killer, the, the killer ends up grabbing or kidnapping a clown killer, and we find out some like who who this killer is and what their connection to Ghostmaker is. And so now the question is: Is that really true, or is it all a lie, or just some like this person is just deluded and thinking that that's the case? But it's just like, wait, what? Where, where are you going? Is this is this true? So we'll have to see about that. Over at Marvel, oh my goodness, we had Amazing Spider-Man fifteen, and we also had Dark Web X Men number one. I. I don't say this often. I just, I did not like these books. I do not like this story. I actually, I have to say, I hate this story. I hate the idea of Ben Riley as Chasm, as this uh, evil jerk. So Ben had his, his memories messed up. And this is from the Beyond Corporation. It has nothing to do with Spider-Man. He's blaming Spider-Man for stealing his memories because you know spider-man feels that they're his memories and ben shouldn't have them so he because uh, when uh they they have a run-in and i think it was it was an, an amazing spider-man and when when spider-man sees him he he's he's like like oh you know you're 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 here you're alive you know i'm glad and then ben is just like just like nasty with them and it's just oh it's just so bad and the other thing that's weird is like in Amazing Spider-Man, I'm not even sure. I think Amazing Spider-Man is first on a checklist. But here, Spider-Man's like, like he, he knows like when he has run in with Madeline, he, he's aware who she is and, and stuff like that. But then in, in Dark Web X-Men, they're like, oh, Madeline Pryor, a clone of Jean Grey, because he's like, that looks just like Jean. And... It, it wait it's like what's where's the continuity here it's like it, this is it's how, how can you mess up the continuity already when that's all this this story is it's, it's dark web you should be able to map this out as, as to and i just you know just the, the demons to and and you know eliana she's like uh yeah i just gave madeline control of limbo because no she was really being nice and helping us out i just it just I I just don't like this. Why would they think let's take a character that maybe us that's a small group of people, small group are very passionate about Ben Riley. You know, the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley fans, we love Ben Riley. And you know, maybe you're one of I don't know if, if you, you care one way or other about Ben Riley. But it's it's just like oh can you are you serious can you just continue just abusing this character you know first of all you kill him which I feel is totally unnecessary don't get me started on that 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 that'd be like a off my mind rant if but I've already written about it and talked about it he killed him off for years you bring him back as a jackal you know he's evil but then it's like okay well we'll help him get over that so he's good. And then you kill him again. And then you, you bring him, you don't really kill him, but then you make him evil. And uh, it's just so stupid. Stupid. I said it. I don't like it. And that's just my opinion. So maybe if other people love it, good for you. <laughs> it's just not my thing. I just, I, I can't, I cannot stand it. I love Ben Riley, and I just, I hate this. It's, yeah. 
Deadpool number two. So Deadpool is supposed to kill Doc Ock. He wanted to. He interviewed to join this like group of like assassins, like prestige, whatever, and stuff like that. The problem is he had I forget how long of a time period. He gets kidnapped by this woman, and she has a symbiote. I don't think it's a carnage symbiote or a piece of carnage symbiote, but it can't survive in a host because it keeps killing hosts. But then she figures, well, with Deadpool's healing factor, he could be a host and she can like bring the, the symbiote to whatever fruition or full term. And, and so she's doing all these experiments on, on him. So Deadpool's running out of time. And then he's trying to attack, he's trying to kill Doc Ock. And it is his symbiote is coming out and, just a big crazy. And then, like, Lady Deathstrike shows up. Like, what? She's like, what's going on here? Uh, Invincible Iron Man, number one. Man, Jerry Duggan, what are you doing? So Jerry Duggan's writing it, which is awesome. You know, it's exciting. But this was not Tony Stark's book. And by by that, no, he is in it. It is Tony Stark's book. I mean, this was not, like, his day. I mean, this things are, like, bad news. Bad news bears for, for Tony Stark. Things are, are not going his way at all. <laughs> if you go, he's you can go his own way, like Fleetwood Mac or whatever. Oh, uh, man, it's just... It's 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 if if I would have if I liked Iron Man more, I would probably maybe be a little upset that they're kind of tearing Iron Man down and apart because it's just. But because I don't love Iron Man so much because I think he's a big jerk a lot of times, I'm just like, okay, where the heck is this going to go? So I guess that's the funny thing is where maybe some people don't love Ben Riley and they're like, all right, this, he's he's bad now. What are you going to do? I don't know. So we have that. Uh, Monica Rambeau, Photon. Um, I didn't really love this. It's I I read this and it's just, I don't know. I end up kind of skimming over it. And I don't know, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I like the idea. I want to see more of her because when I started reading Avengers, she was on a team. So, you know, she was a Captain Marvel I knew. And I just feel like, I don't know, it's, it's just not super exciting you know so it's like where is this gonna go and we'll, we'll see there's also planet hulk world breaker issue two i'm i'm still not sure how i feel about this so this i i think this is like a thousand years in the future you know it's on a planet hulk and there's just like bad stuff that's happening and we you know we have amadeus cho choi cho and like his grandkid and they, you know they they need banners help but Banner, you know he's Banner, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it was just, it was just, it's okay. I, I'm not super excited about it. And then I think that was it. I, I feel like I read something else at Marvel. So Savage Avengers issue eight. I'm behind on that, and I, I, I don't know if I can just when I can jump in. And then you know there was like I think there's Star Wars and Obi Wan. I'm not reading that. Star Wars and Mandalorian. I'm not reading that. Yeah, I guess that was it. Wait, Wolverine? No. Yeah, so I think that's it for comics. So not a lot this week, which... Okay, so uh, yeah, that's it for comics. <laughs> All right, let's talk about His Dark Material. So uh, I'm I'm kind of stressing a little bit about this. As, um, as I record this, four episodes are out. 
and I, I'm of the third season. And probably by the time you listen to this, there's going to be six episodes out. It it appears that HBO Max has decided to release two episodes a week, and I I can't keep up with that. It, it's I mean I've I've said this many many times, so I'm not going to go into it now. I, I I prefer the one a week, and I get that there's some people that like binging, that love binging, that they want it all at once. But I say to them that you you can binge it all once they are all air. My main thing is I I feel like when the shows drop all at once, then it loses its shelf life because people aren't really talking about it anymore. Because if they're all out there. It just, and I know that that doesn't make sense because if, if they're all released, people can still do it. But it seems like people feel like that compulsion is like, oh, we need to you know watch it all. And I I think that once they're all out, if they when they do that, I think people just like, oh, maybe it's it's like the same mindset I'm kind of having where maybe people are like, everyone probably already watched this, so I'm not going to talk about this, or they're just tiptoeing around it because maybe they haven't watched it all. And I mean, and that was a what Netflix noticed with Sandman is the the way it was consumed. It wasn't all at once, and whether it was because people wanted to savor it or they just had life, you know, things getting in the way. But that's kind of how I look at it. When you know, with with all the shows that I watch all the comics that I read and then, you know, going to the movies and then plus, you know, the day job, I don't have time to watch all this. And in the last few weeks, even though there's been kind of like less regular shows, cause you know, shows have been ending and stuff like that for whatever reason, I've just been so overwhelmed and I haven't been able to watch uh, his dark materials. So I, I'm a little hesitant when I was like, well, should I even talk about it? But I, I do like the show. It makes me a little antsy just because of the whole nemesis and, you know, the going up, you know, what we're doing. And so it's just kind of like, I you know, I don't want to talk about it, but I do like the show and I have covered the first two seasons. So I feel like I, I should do it, especially if this is the last season. I know that the showrunners, creators have talked about, you know, trying to branch out, do more or anything like that. You know, of course, you know, you're, you invest all your, your time and energy in this, you know, you, you love this world. You'd love to do more. So I I just feel like by doing two weeks it, two episodes a week it feels like they're just they're trying to get it out there like over and done with so they can just like you know say okay we we did it let's let's move on so I, I don't know because when you have that one a week people talk about the episodes and it's just like holy cow did you see that what's gonna happen next week and you got the whole cliffhanger and that that just takes away I I don't I don't know because I even. Um, I already mentioned the, the whole Sandman thing about how they're they're thinking with the second season, maybe they'll release it in parts. And they did that with Stranger Things. And, you know, yeah, people complained, but it still had record numbers. Anyways, so for this week, I, I'm really not sure, one, am I going to do this whole whole season? I, I probably will, but it's, it's just going to, I get the sinking feeling that I'm so far behind it, and I don't know if people want to listen to it. And the other thing is, I'm not sure is like, are people watching the show? And, and you know that that's the whole thing because I I don't hear a lot of people talking about. It. I think it's it's really cool. The books were were really good. So we'll we'll see. Uh, am I gonna do one this week? Two weeks? We'll see how I, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> so it starts out season three, episode one, the enchanted sleeper, and I I could do a recap. It's it's, it's just too much. There's the show is so heavy. You know the, the whole thing. And um, I mean, you can listen to past episodes if you go to entertainmentfish.com, and if if you just go to the search and and search his dark material, the podcast episodes will pop up, 
and and you can see you know that there there is like a I have a his dark material like tab or, or sub page whatever you want to call it that will show up and then you can see which episodes are in there and then it's got the time codes if you wanted to go back and listen to hopefully you've been watching it and and you're not just fast forwarding over this so it starts off uh we have uh zafania she's narrating and she's talking about you know for millennia the authority ruled the kingdom of of heaven with absolute control so he named himself the creator the father the almighty but he is none of these he's an angel so the, the the creator is supposedly just an angel and i don't think unless i totally forgot i don't think they really mentioned that so much in the last season so his rule he rules with a a, a dark angel by his side we who fought the, tr- the tr- for truth were cast out of the kingdom since they have lived between the worlds watching and waiting for vengeance there's a spark of hope among humankind so a bold leader is rallying warriors he may be mortal but his ambition transcends his kind so a sergeant has been summoned a new eve has emerged and it's time for a new rebellion it, it, it's it's coming so will perry he's calling out for lyra from like the, the last season and you know because she's been taken by her mother mrs coulter he he walks he um he finds this shack and then you know he asks this woman if he's seen a girl named lyra she's missing you know he and he has her lithiometer it's like wrapped up so we see Lyra, she wakes up out in the dirt. You know, there, there's like some posts, like some structures, whatever. And there's like these numbers on her. She calls out the pan and then she hears like Roger call her name. And he's like, and she's like, is that you? She's like, where are you, Roger? But she's dreaming. So she's dreaming of Roger. And and that was the thing in the last season during like at the end, you hear like Roger calling. So Roger had his his demon, his soul like severed from him. And then we, we haven't seen him since. So she's really sleeping in a bed. Mrs. Coulter whispers her name and they're in this like stone house, which is like hidden inside like a, a cliff by the sea. And then it cuts to Azrael. He's flying in this weird, like funky ship. He's with his, his demon still, still Maria. And she's like a, she's some sort of cat, like a cougar or some yeah, snow leopard. Maybe I think she is. I, for, I forget. So still Maria is like, the craft may not be ready for this. And then they they lose their rear oscillator or whatever. So they have to eject, like the whole back end like f- flies off. And then they perish, the, the front end of the ship like parachutes on. It's like this hard landing. Over by the, the cliff where Lyra is, the, the cliff house, there's this girl, she's like at the beach, she's like gathering flowers. And then Mrs. Coulter like signs to her and, and the girl's concern you know that that she's there or something like that because the 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 place the the shack the house whatever was rumored to have someone hiding inside and then mrs coulter's like i'm not hiding and the girl's like why are you here and mrs coulter you know she's like do you believe in magic and she's like sometimes so she asks her to follow her and then um she sees lyra lying in bed and mrs coulter's like you know don't be afraid she's my daughter um she it's, it's like an enchantress casts a spell on her that's why she's asleep so she needs time to wake her up then and she needs the girl to help keep people away then the girl's like I'll, I'll i'll help and then the girl tells mrs coulter to keep her safe then she hugs her so it's like i don't know i mean because the, the whole thing is they're, they're saying that lyra is supposed to be eve the new eve i don't really know what that means i don't remember that from the books and and maybe because i i listened to audiobooks a while ago but but then this girl, like, for somehow she wants Lyra to be protected, and, and, and she hugs her, whatever like that. So and Mrs. Coulter's kind of, like, surprised by this. And then she's like, this is our secret. And the girl leaves, and Pan's like, please let us go. 
later she tries giving Lyra like some medicine to drink or something. Well, either medicine to drink or medicine to keep her knocked out. That's a good question. So then we see Will. He's looking at the lithiometer. He sees a couple like angels behind him, like shadowy shapes, and then they, they, they disappear. So he continues to cut through to different worlds. But my the, the thing here is like, how does he know he's getting closer to Lyra? And you know, because he, he looks at the lithiometer again, but he, he doesn't know how to read it. He could have. He could be like totally leaving the world where Lyra is, and he's just getting further and further because you know, he's going through another. I don't know. But then a voice, you know, says, "Don't be afraid." And then the two angels appear in like human form. They say they just want to talk. He's like, "Stop following me!" And then he cuts to another world, and then they're surprised to see that the knife in action. They're like, "It's real." So now Will is over by some cliffs, like by like in in the desert or something like that. And then it cuts to Azrael, um, him and Stel Maria are walking they enter this like facility and there's like some guards these little flying dudes are, are with him and it, it, i was like where did they come from the the little dudes and him they 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 take out all the guards whatever there's they go into this room and there's some dudes in cages and azra's like which one is commander ogunwe and then one's like i am and but he's like already taking the keys off one of the guards so this guy he's played by i can never say his name Adewale Akinowe Agbaje. So if if you know him, he was in, in Lost. He was Mr. Echo. He was also Killer Croc in Suicide Squad. And I mean, so he's he's an amazing actor. And then he asks Azrael, he's like, you know, who are you? And, you know, who are you in your, your who are you and your little friends, whatever. So he said he's Lord Azrael. He intends to march upon the kingdom of heaven and would very much like him to join him. Then Ogunwe says that he's heard stories about him and you know he, he has just made war with the temple so he says that he'll let Azrael fight that one because you know he's he's already busy he tosses his key to another dude in a cage um and then Selma Maria kind of growls and is like listen to what he has to say and Azrael says that he and his friend are not from this world they have little interest in his temple they came here for him so he's like you know join him in, in this fight against authority and you know he knows they stand for the same thing he knows that the uh, number that he commands he wants his army but he needs Ogunwe's leadership so he's like you know come with me and be part of the final victory Ogunwe says hey Azrael he's like well you can come with me then we see the president they call him keep him president I don't even know what his full title the father president McPhail the you know religious dude in charge he arrives in Geneva. He walks through the halls, and there's a bunch of people standing there. They all, they all bowed their heads, you know, to him as, as he passes. Then um, he asks about an arrest. This dude, Father Jerome, says that they recovered some material from the site. It was recited before an audience. Many were inebriated, and it was followed by a feverish discussion and a grotesque exchange of ideas. So this dude hands him a book, and I think he, they said it was like poems. So it's like, is this poems like something you're not supposed to be reading? So Father Jerome thinks that the author should be jailed for heresy. This other dude says, you know, they're all like standing there. This other, you know, another father says that there were dozens more like it hidden throughout the building. All attendees were imprisoned, plus anyone in possession of the author's work were also um, imprisoned. And then uh, he asks a third, he's like, what would you do if you were in my position? So this guy's Father Gomez. He's like physical atonement in public. He's like, for those charged with possession, perhaps to whip for the author something that leaves a more lasting damage and he's like fear is a gift it allows people to learn so this guy father gomez 
he's he's a he's like a masochist or something he's just like very very hardcore will is like like kind of spying on angels one says that they need the knife and then he comes out he he says he's like i told you to stop following me and then they're you know they're like how can you cut through the worlds so one of them his name is is balthamos and i forget what the other one's name is but uh so he says that they are made of dust they can pass through invisible spaces in the air gateways into other worlds they can see them but will cannot and then the other one says that they've been searching for the the eighth easter aether that that weird ae letter whatever that is um they've been searching for him uh, because there's a great war coming so all conscious beings are engaged in a battle already though not all know it the enemy's power is growing stronger every minute and will has a weapon that will enable them to win so he must come with them to lord azrael because he's gathering an army and will cuts him off so he's like i know who he is and, he, and he's like you know someone told him about him so he's like about all of it the war and how i'm supposed to fight alongside azrael with the knife and he says he's like well i can't go with you he's like i'm sorry but i'm looking for my friend lyra azrael's daughter he, he's you know not that he cares but you know she's lost and then balsamo says that will doesn't understand the knife is more important than you know he can imagine will says he's like no you don't understand lyra is the most important thing to me right now he's like i'm going to find her and then they're like you will come with us now and he's like or what and then the, the other one says you know sorry about your friend he's like you know do you know what happened to her and will says that they were attacked she was taken he doesn't know by who he went ahead without her thought that she'd be safe but when he came back she was gone so he's like azrael can wait they they say that they'll keep following until he changes his mind and will's like you can keep following me because then he stops he says they've, they've managed to find him each time he's cut through and he's like how they say it's a knife it attracts dust they have senses that humans do not will says that if they can find him then they should be able to find lyra so he's like you know help him find her and then he'll come with them to azrael so baltimore says that you know to i think the other dude was, was Bar baruch 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 you know he says that they don't have time you know but it won't take that them that long to find them so Brooke says, uh, you know, they'll be quick. You know, they don't have a choice. So Will shows them the lithiometer, and he says that it was Lyra's. He's, you know, she says that it's powered the same way that, as his knife, so maybe they can use it to find her. So then Baruch says that they'll need a little time, but they'll find her, you know, whatever world she's in. Then we see Lyra standing with her eyes closed in a room with a bunch of others. This alarm goes off, and then she's kind of like pushed forward. She sees Roger like up ahead, and then you know he says he's like I'm here, whatever. She says that she's like I'm coming. She asks you know what is this place, and he's like oh I hate it. Obviously she's still dreaming. So what do these dreams mean? Why is she having these dreams? Are they just regular dreams, or is it something more? Then Ogunwe brings Azrael through some caves. There's like a group of people. His daughter's there. Azrael looks a little put off at having to, to like wait. You know, he's he's trying to be patient, I guess. Finally, he tells Gunway that he has a beautiful little girl. Um, you know, just like to make make small talk. But then he's, you know, when was the last time he saw her? And then Ogunway's like ten months. He's like in sixteen days. He's like I. He's, he says he had no hope of leaving his cell until Azrael and his cat came to recruit him. Now he's trying to decide if Azrael's a madman or a genius. So he asks, who is his war really against, and what does he want from him? So Azra says that it's with the authority himself. And Ogunway's like, you said that before, but it's not, you know, it's not possible. Humankind cannot stand against its creator. Azrael says his, he, 
you know, forces them to kneel at his feet, but he is not the creator. It's all a lie. You know, he is an angel, nothing more. And Ogunwe's like, how do you know all this? Azrael says that, you know, some millennia ago, another angel discovered the authority's secret. Now that angel, Zephaniah, sits on his council. So he says he's gathering the greatest from every world. Ogunwe says that, you know, he should be flattered. Then he says, he's like, but I cannot help you. So Maki is his youngest daughter, but he has another. The temple has been targeting their children for a while now, but in recent years, they've been taking them away for training. So he points to this other girl. So he's like, Arya is a property of the temple. To her, I do not exist. There is only the authority. And the girl I knew, she's gone. But she is still my child. So he says that he understands what he offers, but he has his own battles to fight, his own obligations. Azrael asks that if he can go in and talk to Arya, and he says that he's seen this before. Her demon has been severed. And he's like, she is not demonic. And Azrael's like, I didn't say she was. He's like, forgive me. He's like, allow me to explain. He's like, Stel Maria. So then she comes in and he's like, you know, Stel Maria and I are one. She is my demon, my soul, if you use that word. So Arya's demon resides within. The link that binds us to our demon is immensely powerful. But when it is severed, very little remains. So they are taking our souls and with them our humanity to make us easier to control. A gun, gunway then, you know, before he can say anything, he hears drones coming. So he yells for everyone to get, get inside. And then Azra like grabs his rifle. So I like how he just like goes like quick to action, you know, without even questioning. So then this big church building, Father Gomez was beckoned by Father McPhail. McPhail says that he came to Geneva on a matter of great significance. Fra Pavel's alethiometer informed him of a prophecy. If it's if true, it risks plunging them into a darkness the like of which the world has not experienced. So there is a, a girl wandering earth at this very moment, and she is Eve, the mother of us all, and the cause of all sin. So it's like, I don't understand why they think she is. The instrument says that if the child is tempted by the serpent, she will likely fall. And if she does fall, then sin and dust will triumph. But it's like, I thought they, I, I didn't think dust was a bad thing. I thought if dust is what powers the lithiometer, how is that a bad thing? So they're like, you know, this cannot happen. And Father Gomez is like, so we need to stop her. And McPhail is like, you know, when we do locate the child, we will send troops to retrieve her. And he's like, I would like you, Father Gomez, to lead them. Gomez is like, it would be an honor. And, you know, he says that if he could drop in on Fra Pavel, see if he could speed him up a little. And then McPhail's like, please. That doesn't sound too good for Pavel. So Coltier, she's still tending Lyra. She says, you know, there are forces out there after you. So she's keeping her safe. Pan's like, you're keeping her a prisoner. She's like, let us go. And Coulter says that I'm afraid I can't. Then she gets up. Pan kind of sniffs. And then like the, the golden monkey growls, which I still understand. Why doesn't the monkey ever talk? So the golden monkey, I don't even remember if it has a name, but uh, Mrs. Coulter's demon it's I, I almost feel bad for it even though it's it's like vicious but it's like her i guess balthamos is using the lithiometer so then he says he found her and he says will was right she's in the world of the demons she's with a woman who's holding her against her will in a house carved into the rocks it's on a remote island in the german ocean so then will will need a passage for a ship and will ask if she's harmed and they're like no she's just asleep and dreaming Will asks about the woman, 
Balsamo says that her demon is a golden monkey and will he's like he knows he's like that's her mother he's like the worst person that she could be with Balsamos can can take him the other dude says he has to go back to report to i guess Azrael the two angels talk a little bit and then you know they they're like we'll be together soon and then Balsamos says that you know he doesn't remember a grain to take the boy but then Baruch like kisses him and he's like as soon as the children are united then we will come and meet you in Ezra's Republic or, or something like that. So I don't know if these two, what the kiss was, if it's supposed to be a romance thing. Sorry, trying to say the angels have romance or feelings towards each other. Or was it just a, a brotherly? I don't know. So then uh, the, the angel like shimmers and he, he kind of gets some, some wings and then he like flies off and then Will cuts a hole and walks through and Baltimore follows. Gomez goes, Father Gomez goes to talk to Pavel. And he's like, where's the girl? Pavel's like, well, I'm close. And pa Pavel, it's like weird because Pavel's kind of like holding his demon out or his finger out to Pavel's demon. So I don't know if this is, if he's like threatening him this way. Because his demon, I think it was like a, like a a rat or weasel or ferret or so, something small. And I don't know if he's holding his finger out, like trying to get it. Because the whole thing is you're not supposed to touch someone else's demon. That's supposed to be like like a no-no. Like, I guess, kind of touching someone's privates. You don't do that unless you got consent. So I don't. it just seemed weird he kept doing that. So I think he was trying to, like, threaten him. So Pan, he finally gets Lyra to wake up. Mrs. Coulter is asleep in a chair. She's like, this is our chance to escape. Lyra's all groggy. And then, like, outside she's kind of, like, stumbling, whatever. Mrs. Coulter, for some reason, wakes up and calls out for her. So Lyra's like hides behind some ro some rocks. The golden monkey like kind of goes out, is like listening, and then it motions, you know, that she's on the other side of this rock. So then you see Mrs. Coulter. She takes out a little handkerchief and a little bottle. So it's probably like a what's it called when you the knockout stuff? <laughs> I don't know why I'm totally trying a, a blank. I added, not anesthet. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Oh man, I'm totally blanking. I, and as soon as I'm done with this, I'd be like, "That's what I meant to say." You know what I'm talking about. Then she comes up, and then she like sits next to Lyra, like all friendly and everything like that. She's like, "I understand why you're, you know, you're doing it." She's like, "It must be strange to be here with me like this." And she's like, "I haven't brought you here to keep you jailed. It's to keep you safe. There are people coming for you, dangerous people." And she like, you know, touches Lyra's hair, you know, like you know, affectionately or whatever. And she's like, you're so brave and courageous. And then she takes out the handkerchief that has the, and, and the knockout liquid, what is it called? She's like, I'm doing this for you. And Lyra like kind of holds her wrist. She's like, I'll never be safe with you. But then, you know, Coulter presses it against her mouth and nose and then Lyra's knocked out. So, and, but the girl with the flowers from the beach, she sees Mrs. Coulter and, and she looks a little concerned. She's probably like, what the heck is going on here? Because, uh, you know, Coulter said that it was an enchanted spell that kept her out, and now she sees that she knocked her out. Ogunway is told that they're heading for the mines, and Azrael tells him that, you know, he, he puts up a good fight, but the battle is too small. So even if he wins against this temple, the authority will send more servants in their place to put you back on your knees. So he's like, they're in every world. Ogunway says that, you know, he keeps talking of other worlds as if he expects him to believe it. Azrael's like, I, I do not lie. He's like, but this is but one world among many. And every single one, the same thing. Children mutilated, science, you know, learning, criminalized, whole civilizations cowering under the sky. He says that he was like Ungunwe once. In his world, the temple are called the Magisterium. 
and he has wasted most of his life fighting them until he discovered that they were but one arm of the authority's might, and the beast has countless arms. The only fight worth risking his children's lives for lies elsewhere. His republic is a good earth against the kingdom up in the sky, so it is the only way to win. They cut off the head of the beast, and then the rest will crumble. And he's like, no. He's like, no. What you ask me to believe is too great. And Azrael says, he's like, well, what he asks is a lot to take in. He's like, so let me show you. He's like, that way you can decide for yourself. He's like, let me take you to another world. Miss Coulter is staring out the window. Lyra's lying in the bed again. The golden monkey walks up. And then she's like, oh, please let me be. And then, you know, he kind of climbs up like in a window and like just stares at her. And then she's like, I'll think of something. And then she's like, I just thought he'd be here by now. So I don't know who she meant. Is she thinking about Azrael? Because you think Azrael can protect Lyra? You know, he's like shown no interest in her. Balsamos asks Will if he knows how Lyra reads the lithiometer. Because, uh, you know, he mentions that, you know, reading the symbols is normally studied for like many years. And then even then, they can only be understood with the help of books. Will's like, she wasn't making it up. And then he's like, well, perhaps she's a very skilled inventor. And Will's like, she can read it. He's like, it told her things that she could never have known, like where my father was. It's part of her. It's just like the knife is part of me. So they can see like a port off in the distance. So now they just need to go there and get a ship. When they get closer, there's like a commotion going on in the little town. Eorik, the polar bear, he's back. He's roaring that they've trapped one of his bears. He's like, release her now. And he's like in full bear armor. So Will's like, I think I know that bear. And Balsam was like, what? <laughs> Will's like, I can talk to him. He's Lyra's friend. So even though the men have clubs and stuff, they're like, they're trying to like fend off Eorik. He's not, not really being rough with them. Like he, he gently like knocks the legs out of one, you know, from underneath him to knock him down. Then he kind of like grabs him by the, his leg to fling him off to the side without really, you know, he could tear into him, but he doesn't. But then it's, it starts to escalate again a bit because, you know, the, the guys are just surrounding him more and everything like that. So Eorik is starting to like headbutt them, like knock them out of the way as they get nearer. Then he like stands up on his hind you know legs. He's tall and he's like roaring. And Will runs up, like tells him to stop. And he's like, "Get out of my way, child!" And Will says, "He's like, you have to stop." He's like, "There are innocent people here. They have taken one of my bears. What do you want?" So Will says that he wants him to fight him in single combat. He's like, "If I win, then you leave these people alone. If I lose, you do whatever you want with them and me. You want to fight me?" It would be shameful to fight you. You are as weak as an oyster out of its shell. So Will says, you know, let's make it a fair fight then. He mentions his armor and that, you know, Will has none. He's like, give me a piece. He's like, anything you want. He's like, then, you know, we'll be matched, you know, won't we? So Eorik takes off his helmet and he just like, you know, slides it down. Do you know what you are doing, boy? So And Will takes out his, his blade. He's like, sky iron, am I right? Impenetrable. He's like, I heard. Then he just easily like slice off like the, the a quarter of it and then uh will's like that's surprising i guess i'll have to fight you without the armor after all and then york's like that knife is too strange you win boy but he like he ruined his helmet <laughs> and will says to the town folk free to bear now and then this man's like you heard the boy do it so there's like just one little like building doors like open and there's a, a bear inside. And York asks him like what his name is. So he's like Will Perry and everything. Then he mentions that he's like you're looking for Lyra. And Will's like she's with her, her mother being held against her will. And York's like then we must go to her. McPhail 
later is approached by Father Gomez. He says he visited Fra Pavel several times. He's like, I helped him to focus his mind a little. He has since divined that the child is with her mother. And McPhail breathes deeply. He's like, the mother. His surprised like a shake his fist. And Gomez says, like, with this information, I'm confident that, you know, I can locate the girl myself. But I'll have to use methods that are not officially sanctioned. McPhail says that he must do whatever he needs to do. The second he has her has their position, he's like, go to them, get the child, get the mother, and bring them directly to me. He's like, Marissa Coulter is evil. She is persuasive. Do not trust her. And Gomez says that he's done preemptive penance his entire adult life, so he will do whatever is required to get them there. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do my penance ahead of time, and that gives me permission to do bad things. It's like, okay. McPhail's like, your dedication to the authority will not go unappreciated. And this is, I think, why I don't like the show. It's just this whole whole like religious and a ruling and it's just like overpower and abusing things it just puts a bad taste in my mouth i'm just like i just i don't need need this but i you know i am concerned with with you know lyra and will and azrael so gomez goes to his room he takes out this outfit from a trunk and he smells it and he lays it out so at first i was like wait is that a dress or is that like like a, a, a priest robe? But I think it, it was a dress. So now I'm thinking maybe it was Mrs. Coulter's, one of her dresses. Maybe they got her luggage. I don't remember if her luggage got left behind her or anything like that. Because then it, you know, then we, it starts like bam, 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 like different scenes. We see, you know, Mrs. Coulter's watching over Lyra. Uh, and then like McPhail's like getting ready for something. I don't know what he's doing. And then Gomez takes out this little mechanical beetle thing. I forget what they're called. He puts it by the dress. It kind of touches the dress and then it flies up. So I guess with that, it's going to be able to track her. I think they used that one of the other episodes. Well, and I don't remember if it's from the book or, or the, the show that I'm thinking about. So then uh, we see Will's on a ship with Eoric and Balthamos. Azrael says to Ogunwe, he's like, somehow the authority has managed to pervert the natural order of dust. He's like, I don't know how, but when I find out, death is going to die. He's like, believe me. And Ogunwe says, he's like, I believe I've heard enough. And Azrael's like, you'll see. And then with Stel Maria's help, he's like holding this thing. He's like, when I say, you know, but it's like bite down. So, you know, she bites on this thing. And then whoosh, a big bright light they opened like this portal bridge. So I'm not really sure how that happened because the first time they did it, which is kind of bad, is when Azrael used Roger. He experienced, you know, severed his connection to use that energy to open it. So maybe he's figured out some other way. I don't know if he stored stuff, if it was their energy. That's why Stel Maria had to bite into it. So Ogunwe is like staring in disbelief. And then Azrael's like, welcome to the Republic of Heaven, Commander. He's like, I'd gather my people if I were you. The real war is coming, and we must win it. So that is the end of the first episode of the season. So, you know, if you have any feedback on on his dark material, like if you're like, yes, yes, you know, I want to hear more, you know, let me know, and I'll, I'll continue. Because, like I said, I'm on the fence, and I'm mainly doing it now because there's not a lot of other shows, and so I can I can handle, I have the bandwidth for it, but we'll see. And and I'll 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 try to do. I don't know if I'll do more. I don't know how many I'll do. I'll, I'll definitely do more than one. I'll, I should do more than one next week. So we'll, we'll see. But now for <laughs> National Treasure, Edge of History. So this is a new Disney Plus show, and two episodes dropped. Uh, they Actually, they 
So I got access to the first four episodes, but only two dropped this week. So I'm not going to talk about the other two. Um, I, I don't know. I think they're hopefully they're doing one a week because that would again that would be awesome to help me to, to to keep up with things. But as far as the show, so the the movies, I don't remember the second one so much, but I remember the first one. I mean, it's Nicolas Cage. So, you know, you, you take it for what it is. They, they were fun movies. And I remember my daughter, for some reason, really liked it. I don't know what it was, just maybe the whole adventure, you know, the Indiana Jones type of thing or something about it. So when I heard they're making a show, I was like, oh, this is cool. So with the show, you know, watching, I, I, I am really on the fence with the show. Some, there are, actually, there's, there's a bit of things that kind of make me cringe, make me make my eyes roll. The the it's it's part there are parts in in the writing where it's just like who who is this written for and you know it might be that it's not written for me but I almost feel like it's the the hey kids um what well, well, I now I don't even remember the the saying but you know it, I feel like they're they're trying too hard by including certain things and and when I get to them in in the episode I'll obviously I'll you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. So there are parts of it, and, and some of the things, the way like the pieces fall together, the stories, it's almost a, a bit too much or whatever like that. But I do like the the lead, you know. So we we have, of course, it's a female, which is great, and of course she's uh, she's what I think is really awesome. She's a Latina or Latin X or whatever, because you know we don't have a lot of that. Mostly, you know, we're we're getting more in uh, you know black representation, which is is great. Um, but we we don't seem to have a lot of Latina. It seems like, you know, when when you look at the CW shows or even even like the the CW DC shows, you know, they they put in a lot more black people because it you know if you know the comics, everyone's white. So it's it's kind of cool that they they mix things up. And when you look at the our main character Jess and her friends, they are <laughs> I actually I didn't quite realize it up until now. They are they're oh my gosh, they're none of them are well. Yeah, so we we're gonna have Jess. We have her best friend Tasha, who's black. We have like her sort of best friend, who's a dude, and you know they're not dating, but you feel like there's something there. His name is Ethan, but he's Asian. And then there's Tasha's boyfriend, Oren, who I think is is Latino also, which is I, I I'm just horrible with, and maybe I just didn't, I I don't I don't see colors. I don't see race. Mm-hmm. So I maybe just didn't really realize that there is another dude who is white. So we will. It's not like they're against a white. And of course, the the, the bad guys or bad gal is is white. So we we have that. Let's get on with the show because I got two episodes to cover, and that that's already been like five minutes. I've been talking there. So episode one hundred one, and I think the season is like ten episodes. So ambitious. I, I think that that's awesome that that they're you know they they have that much of a story. Oh, so what I want to say going back, I know I just said I was going to start, but I, I so I like the lead. I, I think she's she's a cool character. I think some things may come a little too easily, but whatever, you know that, that uh, that's fine. Um, the, the idea of the mystery is intriguing. Um, there's just some parts that just in the execution that it kind of falls a little flat. I'm hoping it gets its groove and it, it's other the parts that I have issues with will, will kind of be glossed over or whatever. So it starts off 2001. There's like this recording, this dude, Peter, cause we just see his in the closed captioning says name's Peter. Um, Peter Sadusky, if you've watched Harvey Keitel's character. So there's your connection. Nicolas Cage, by the way, is not in this. 
at least so far. <laughs> Not to, I don't, if, if he comes in at the end of the season, that, that would be nuts. But we have Peter Sadusky. So he's like, listen to this only when no one else is around. Remember the treasure I told you about? The gold and libraries from Emperor Montezuma's palaces sought by the conquistadors? After all these years, many started to believe the treasure was a fairy tale, a myth. And you see, like, you know, seeing it on pyramids and jungles on fire. There's all this fighting and stuff like that. He's like, after all, Cortez and his army, they decimated the Aztec Empire when they invaded Mexico in 1519. So you get some history and everything. So it's it's educational, right? He's like, but the Freemasons recently got proof that an underground network of indigenous women secreted away Montezuma's treasure that had been amassed in the surrounding empires for centuries. After the women hid the treasure, they divided clues to its locations into three relics, one for each, the Inca, Maya, and Aztec. I thought there was four of them. Maybe there's only three. So there's a gr like this green cube, a yellow one, and a blue one. Over time, those relics were lost. Until now, a band of treasure hunters is now close to finding the Aztec relic. This was confirmed by a spy within their group. <laughs> that part made me laugh a little, little bit. So then you see Mexico City. This uh, dude dresses as a nun. He like repels down from the ceiling in a church. Maybe the doors are locked, but there's a way in up there. And he has like your typical old journal with like super fancy handwriting and like, you know, pages some are, are torn out and frayed at the edges and stuff like that. He goes up to the statue of the Virgin Mary and then there's like this hidden button like and this drawer pops open. There's like this pouch with like the relic inside. And then someone grabs him from behind, puts a knife through his, to his throat. This other dude's, you know, takes the relic. You know, he's like, he says, you've double crossed Salazar. He's like, no one double crosses Salazar. The dude dresses nuns. He says that Salazar will never find a treasure without him. And the dude's like, that's why you're coming with us. So the, the nun dude, his real name is Raphael. The knife guy mentions that they did find out that Raphael has a family. Then he breaks free, elbows the knife guy. He grabs like this, the incense burner things on a chain, whatever it was called. He swings it, hits the other guy in the face, grabs a relic and runs. So then Raphael goes to his house. So he has a wife and a, and a baby. She's like, where did you get that? And you know, when he puts a relic on the bed, he says, he's like, it doesn't matter. It proves that the treasure exists. And she's like, you stole it? He's like, no, I found it. So then he gives her the name and number of this dude. And he's like, he'll make sure that you and Jacita get to safety. So I wonder who that, that person, could that have been Peter? Probably not. Because then he would probably know more about this. She's like, no. She's like, enough with the treasure hunt. It's like, it's already ruined our lives. And then you hear some engines revving in the distance. So, of course, that has to be the bad guys, right? Maybe they just live on the outskirts or whatever. You know, she doesn't want to leave, but he's like, Salazar knows about you. And he, he takes off his, like, necklace, and he puts it in, like, the baby's sleeping hand. He tells her to go. He'll stall and then come find him. So it ended like almost right away. I don't know if it was just editing, but this guy kicks the door open. Raphael grabs like a burning log from the fire and, you know, hits the guy, sets him on fire like right away. The other guy like grabs him like, where's the relic? And then he's like, where you'll never find it. So the house is like slowly catching on fire now from the guy like dancing around and everything like that. The other dude hits uh, Raphael in the head with like this goblet, like knocks him out. The wife's like driving away and sees a house in flames in the mirror. So... I guess we can assume Raphael's, unless they drag him out. She's like, says to Jacita, she's like, don't you dare grow up to be like your poppy. So can you guess where this is going? Because again, this was 2001, right? The baby has a medallion around her neck. Cut to 21 later, adult Jacita 
is still wearing the medallion, the necklace, and you know she's like kind of holding it in her hand. She's like, the last inmate was incarcerated 1,228 days before they escaped. So it's like she's in prison. She, she's wearing like the orange prison outfit. She's in prison, but she's allowed to wear a necklace. I'm like, what's going on? Don't worry. There's a reason for this. I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. Her cellmate's like unscrewing this pipe under the sink, and this guard walks by. So her cellmate is Tasha. So this is her friend. She, you know, acts like she's not doing it. She, even though she's crouching weird in front of the sink, and then she's like, oh, the warden was kind of hot, you know, to pretend like nothing is going on. Then there's a couple dudes in a cell next door. So this one is like, wait, why are there, there women in, in this cell, dudes in the next one? And this one dude, his name's Oren. He's like, I could hear you. And she says, um, we're on a timeout. Okay. Then uh, he gets up. He's like, still? I thought this was a date. And Tasha's like, why would you think this was a date when Ethan paid for the escape room? Said are not really in jail. They're in, a, in an escape room. Tasha gets the pipe loose, and there's a screwdriver inside. Then Jess says, oh, it's a Phillips head, but all the screws in, in here are standard. So it's like, okay, I guess you just casually noticed that every single screw is, like, is a standard screw. But that's supposed to be part of her thing. She notices things. So then this cheesy pop music plays. They, they really try to do this stuff with like putting in music. Maybe it's relevant music. Maybe stuff that I've never heard of because I'm not young and hip. But it's, it's almost like too much. It, it plays during like the pause of silence. And then she's like, we need a rope. They tie some sheets together. Oren jumps down from like the bed and, and then he gasps. He's like, oh, I scuffed my Air Force Ones. <laughs> so he's one of those the sneaker guys. You know, people who like pay like hundreds of dollars for like the rare sneakers and everything like that. Tasha's like, why'd you wear new shoes to a prison break? He's like, well, I, th I thought it was a date. Jeff and Ethan, they're making like witty comments to each other about Tasha and Oren because, you know, they're supposed to be dating and are on a break and all stuff like that. And this is just like, oh, man. So Ethan, he has to, there's this like switch that I guess is going to open the prison. So he has a knotted sheet with like the screwdriver, like somehow wedged in there. So he has to swing it around the switch around. It's just around a corner. It almost looks like he could reach for it, but the switch happens to be right around the corner. It would open a cell. It's an escape room, right? So, okay. okay. He, he swings it, misses, gets it on the second time. I think it was the second time, pulls the lever, lights go off and the red lights come out and then the cells open. They get to a door with a, with a code pad and just, she's like, the hash marks. She runs back to the cell where there's like a tally to days in prison and she's like, incarcerated, 1,228 days. That's, and then she, she goes silence. She's looking at the tally marks and they start doing these weird groupings. And so again, I'm a math teacher and I don't, I was like, what, what the, what are, what are we focusing on? Why are these tallies like highlighted in these ones? She's like, three years, four months and 11 days. That's Three, four, one, one. She yells it out. It works. Okay. And she did it all like like that. I'd, I'd need a calculator. I don't care. <laughs> I'll admit it. Tasha, Justin, and Ethan are like, woo, we did it. Or like that. And Tasha's like, we just did what no one else has done. Then this voice is like, disqualified, no cell phones. And they're like, cell phones, where? And then there's Oren walking behind them looking on his phone. And I'm like, Really? And they're like, because so they would have told him no cell phones, but he, for some reason, kept his phone on. And then they're not even out there and he's checking his phone. So then we find out they're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Ethan's like, like we should appeal. Oren was even part of the escape. He's like, well, I'm sorry. It's like, I had alert on a pop-up sneaker sale. 
So there we got the sneaker stuff mentioned again. So he's like, uh, which uh, reminds me, I you know I do need to get in line. He's like, uh, text me if you want anything, and then he departs. But it's like he thought this was a date, and he's like taken off. So then Jess is like, well, we almost made history. And then it cuts to Madrid, Spain. It's a big fancy house. You see this tough evil woman, which is Catherine Zeta Jones. I didn't realize she was in this. I somehow totally missed that or forgot it. So she walks in with this dude and. Uh, He's like, oh, I don't know. You need another house. And she's like, well, the previous owner had secrets not even his children knew about. So she recently learned that he had a collection of conquistador plunder that he denied owning. So she picks up a sledgehammer that is just randomly sitting in the hall because, you know, there is some like construction remodeling going on or whatever. And she's like, luckily, he had an unfortunate accident. So she's standing in front of this like wall with a painting of this woman holding a baby and this other woman kind of like kissing his hand. And dude's like, wait, that's priceless. Slams you know, the hammer. There's a secret room behind a wall. And it's it's like a really super thin wall too when you can see it. I don't think it was supposed to be. Whatever. So then the dude looks in there. He's like, oh, nice black market museum. <laughs> and then uh, then we see some men like like Air Master, you know, they're, they're taking out the artifacts like in case it's old moldy air. I don't know. Then someone calls her Miss Pierce. So they, they found an Aztec relic because we don't know her name yet at this point. So they found an Aztec relic made of obsidian. And then the dude with her, he's he's like, is that it? And, and he's like, a piece of the treasure mat? Disappointed. She's like, no. Her phone rings and she's like, it's not here. And then you hear that's very disappointing, Billy. It's been 20 years since Rafael Rios found that relic, and now it's nowhere to be found. So her name is Billy. And we don't know who she's talking to. But she's like, oh, don't be so impatient. So American. I'll find it. The voice is like, the board has been more than patient. She says that whoever has the relic has no idea what they have. Otherwise, they'd be looking for the treasure. But it's like, how would you even know? How do you know they didn't find it and they have it locked up in their secret room behind a wall? She's like, you know, 20 years is a good thing. People die and things that have been hidden are away are suddenly found. So Jess is looking for something in her kitchen. Tasha and Oren are helping her look. She says that she's like, how can I lose the one thing my mother told me not to lose? And then Tasha's like, well, you know, every time you, you know, you looked at it, it made you sad. And but then she sees a note, the landlord's raising the rent. They didn't want just to see it right away. Oren's like, oh, it's okay. He's like, we can handle it. And there's another part. Tasha's like, yeah, I just got 100K views on my last YouTube video. So the bump in ad revenue will help. Um, 100K views? That's like nothing, right? I have a video that has like over 100K views. I think it has like 200K views. I didn't make like a killing off of that. <laughs> So I don't, I mean, unless it means that it's on the rise, maybe she just, if she, if it happened like overnight or whatever, then okay, yeah, that's something. Okay, but again, so Tasha, we find out, is a YouTube video creator, content creator, whatever you want to call it. And then Jess is like, uh, I'm going to ask my boss for a raise. She's like, I'm owed one. And Ethan comes in with groceries and then he has this file folder. And then she's like, you have it, whatever. He's like, yeah, you told me to keep it safe. So it turns out, what were they looking for? Her mother's empanada recipe. And she's like, I can't believe it's been a whole year. So her mom's dead. And Ethan's like, like, oh, you know, maybe we should make something else. And Jess is like, no, it was her, it was my mom's favorite. And Tasha's like, you know, it was our favorite too. 
So Jess, she works at the storage unit place and, you know, she's been working at the front desk for two years. You know, her boss said, and he's like, I say lots of things or something like that. And he's like, well, I have a special project for you. He, you know, cuts open this locked storage unit. Uh, the boss says that the last payment was six months ago. They tried tracking down the deadbeat, but came up empty. She's like, well, what's the name on the account? He's like, oh, it's weird. It must be some kind of foreigner, which is like nice, you know, to say. Because, I mean, I, obviously she's Latina and he's, or Latinx, and he's saying that. So he shows her the invoice like on an iPad. It's IAM Phasma. So EM. But if you see, when you read it, you see what it says, right? She laughs. And she's like, seriously? He's like, what? She's like, Phasma's Latin. And he's like, like I said, foreign. And she, this part, she's like, no, not Latin X. Latin as in the classical language. And then she's like, phasma means specter or ghost. It's like, do people really not know that? I mean, like phantasm? I mean, I know I have like, you know, the Spanish in me, Latin in me. So I know, you know, so I am a ghost. And she's like, you know, probably not his real name. So the boss is like, oh, too bad. You can't make a, a living solving puzzles. And she's like, well, actually you can. So she mentions the FBI having a cryptanalysis department. She says it's literally her dream job. And he's like, no, your dream job is figuring out who this ghost is. Got it? And she's like, yes. She's like, sorry, I'm front desk, not my job. She's like, but if I were assistant manager, and he's like, sure, okay, find me a name. So it's that easy, I guess. So then it's like 13 minutes in, we get opening credits. So it's always interesting to me when, when they do that. So the storage unit is getting pretty organized. There's lots of plastic totes. I don't know if they were there before or she organized it just like post-it notes or whatever and she's like i am i am phasma you are a freemason because there's like some stuff whatever there at back at the apartment tasha randomly tells jess that she and Orin broke up she says it, it's fine they're st you know still friends and jess asks she's like are you okay she's like well it sucks you know dating your best friend is like and i'll get this part dating your best friend is like listening to your favorite song over and over until you're sick of it so okay that just seems like kind of kind of negative i don't know so she's like i should have listened to you to you and jess is like well i was hoping that you know you'd prove me wrong and then she says without Orin pitching in their little raise and rent is going to be tough and then she's like oh no no worries she's like i just need to solve a mystery and then i'll get a promotion and she's like she's so this is how she how, how good she is she's trying to track down a freemason who was renting a storage unit under an alias and she's like did you know there are almost twenty thousand freemasons in louisiana and she's like a couple things stood out a, a gavel and a flag which she brought home with her she unfolds a flag which i think would be kind of like not okay to do tasha says that it's she's like oh it's big and just is like it's a burial flag size to be draped over the casket of a military personnel then she says that she thinks they just narrowed down the list of 20,000 Freemasons. The mystery Mason was also related to a deceased military veteran. So she does an online search for Freemason veteran funeral Baton Rouge and an obituary pops up. So Silver Star military veteran Sergeant Jack Sadusky died in a diving accident, survived by his son Liam and his father Peter Sadusky. So that's the guy that was recording at the beginning. So a retired FBI agent and Grand Master Mason. And Tasha says, 
did someone say promotion? And then they start dancing, promotion, promotion. It's like, what the heck is going on? So Jess ride, literally rides a scooter, like like a, a Razor scooter, like a kick scooter, not 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 like a, a bike scooter. She rides a scooter to the house. This young guy answers. He's like, you're not my Thai food. And she's like, no. She's like, I'm looking for Mr. Peter Sadusky. And he's like, oh, no one comes to see Mr. Sadusky. So she's like, well, I think I have something that belongs to him. So this guy is like a, a nurse caregiver. You know, he's wearing like the scrubs or whatever. So he like takes her to the house. He warns her that Mr. Sadusky has dementia so he can be paranoid, delusional, and he thinks everyone's a spy. So he knocks on the door. Peter's like, Liam? You know, he, he's like, someone's here for you. He's like, is it Liam? And he's like, no. Then he's like, go away. So the doorbell rings. That He's like, oh, that must be my food. He's like, good luck. And he just like leaves her. So she walks in. It's like a like an office den or whatever. She's like, my boss is going to throw out all the stuff in your unit if you don't pay your back rent. And she places a flag down, and he turns his chair around and looks at it. He, like, sighs. She says, uh, you know, call Almighty Storage if you want your stuff. So she goes to leave, and he's like, you tracked me down? And she's like, yeah, you know, once I saw I'm a ghost. And he's like, oh, very impressive. And she's like, yeah, I'm good at puzzles. She's like, I want to work for the FBI's cryptanalysis division someday. He's like, ah, I see. You want me to put in a good word for you. And she's like, no, that's not why I'm here. She's like, I can't apply until I'm an American citizen. And Peter says, uh, the first requirement for working for the FBI is a privilege of your birthplace. That always bothered me. And she's like, yeah, and Texas used to be in Mexico. That always bothered me. So they, they laugh. He says that you know he knows her or that she knows her history. She hopes to take the citizenship test someday. And he's like, well, they'll never ask anything like that. And she's like, yeah, I know, but you know, once I start something, I just can't stop. And he's like, oh, I know someone like that, big pain in the butt, which I'm assuming is Nicolas Cage, right? So as she like chuckles, or whatever, then her her hand, she kind of like brushes her by her neck, and and her necklace comes out. He leans forward, he puts on his glasses. Where did you get that necklace? And she's like, it was my dad's. What did he do? She's like, I have no idea. He died when I was a baby. So her mom just told her the usual. He was a thief. He was a reckless, good for nothing. Then he asked, well, then why do you wear a necklace? And she's like, to remind me not to be a thief and a reckless good for nothing. He's like, what if I told you everything you know about your dad is a lie? She's like, I'm pretty sure you never met my dad. And he's like, no, but I've known men like him, men who did what they what was considered wrong in order to do what they knew was right. And she's like, yeah, they're called criminals. Peter's like, this country was founded by criminals. So he tells her to take a seat. And he's like, what do you know about the treasure? And she's like, um, nothing. He says that she can speak freely. The room is clear of surveillance. He's like, that medallion was worn by a secret network of treasure protectors that goes back centuries. That necklace represents an ancient oath to unburied lost history of entire civilizations. There were more people living in ancient Mexico than in England. And then when Cortez and Pizarro arrived, they had great cities. So there, there were brilliant astronomers or engineers. Mayans invented a number zero. The Inca gave us potatoes. He's like, we wouldn't have pizza without the Aztecs tomatoes. And she's like, oh, that's um, interesting. And you know, if her father had that necklace, he's like, you know, he was protecting that, the treasure. And so was she. He starts climbing this like book ladder, and she's like, you should be up there. She's where he's going to fall. He's like, I have something for you. There's like a hidden um, storage area. Like you, you pull out these books, you push this one, and this like thing opens up. 
he gives her an envelope that says Liam and she's like, wait, I'm not Liam. He like just like dismisses that. And he says that this holds a clue to a treasure of utmost importance. And he says that he doesn't have much time. If he dies, the secret dies with him. Nurse comes in, the dude's like, it's time for your meds. And she's like, I have to go. And then uh, she's like, I'm sorry. And Peter whispers, he's like, trust no one. Then out in the hall, it's like, did the dude even give it the medicine? I don't know. But then she tells the dude, he's like, oh, he must have thought that I was his grandson, Liam. You know, he had a, a letter for him. He's like, maybe you should call him. And the guy's like, oh, I've tried. He's like, Liam wants nothing to do with his grandpa. And she's like, why? And he's like, I don't know. Families are complicated. So then Billy is on her private plane. She gets an alert. Uh, she changes the screen to a shot of Jess walking up to Peter's house. So she has she has it under surveillance. And she's like, well, well, and who are you? She fast forwards it. And then and she's like, and what were you doing in there for 10 minutes? At her apartment, she tells Tasha and Ethan, and Ethan gives her a hard time for not accepting information on the lost treasure. She's like, he had dementia. She's like, and I don't know what, you know, he, he didn't know what he was talking about. Then uh, the envelope to Liam slips out of her bag. She's like, oh, she's like, he must have slipped it in there. So Tasha's like, well, what are you going to do with it? Ethan's like, we should open it. And Tasha's like, I wasn't asking you. Then she's like, let's open it on my channel. And I'm like, are you serious? And Jess is like, no. She's like, I can't open it. It's not mine. So at least she's a good person. <laughs> it's like her friends aren't. She goes to work and tells her boss that she figured out who's renting the unit. And he's like, oh, I already know. The FBI, are, are they're searching the unit. And she's like, why? And he's like, he's dead. So the FBI tell her that they need to talk. This female agent says, Mr. Sadusky died in his sleep. He was 87. The dude's like, how did you know Agent Sadusky? And she's like, I didn't. I just met him yesterday. So the agents quickly like look at each other. So right away, there's something that seems off. And it's like, it can't be bad acting. There's got to be something to it. And there is something to it. The lady's like, they suspect that he was in possession of state secret illegally. And so they were keeping tabs on him. And just as like, oh, he was right. He was being spied on. The dude's like monitored. The lady says, according to his home care nurse, Agent Sadusky tried to give her a letter. It's like, geez. Uh, she stares at, at the dude's, his badge is like so fake looking. You just got one of those badges hanging around his neck. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't take it. And dude's like, your boss says you're undocumented. She's like, yes. I, I mean, no, I have DACA, D-A-C-A. And the lady's like, you're not any kind of trouble as long as you tell us the truth. So it's like, ugh. She says, uh, she's like, I'm totally freaking out right now. She's like, it has always been my dream to be an FBI agent. She's like, I won the FBI's public cipher challenge for five years straight. The dude's like, well, if you help us out, uh, we'll put in a good word for you. And the lady's like, you know, they searched the house and they didn't find the letter. She's like, you do realize that we could make things a whole lot more difficult for you. And Jess is like, I didn't take the letter, I swear. And she, she didn't. She didn't take it. He slipped it to her. So Billy's and her lunky dude or whatever, they're still on the plane. They're looking at the sword in the case. And dude's like, oh, I can't believe that guy had the sword of Cortez. And he's like, he, it took down a whole civilization. And Billy's like, that was smallpox, actually. So he's like, well, then why'd you take it? Is there a clue for the treasure on it? She's like, no. Cortez and his men had no idea where the treasure was. It's only fitting that I have his sword when I, when I find it. So then she's told she has a call. It's a two agents. So Billy asks if they got the letter. No. They confiscated everything from the rental unit. And they're like, well, what about the girl? And the dude's like, she didn't have it. And you believed her? 
the dude's like, there's no way she'd risk lying to an FBI agent. She, and then Billy's like, maybe she figured out you weren't real FBI agents. So I like how they're like completely, absolutely spelling it out for us in case we didn't know that they were fake. Billy thinks that because she works at a storage unit place, she's always sniffing around for treasure. <laughs> Which is so, I need a treasure. I'm going to work at a storage. And if you imagine like how many storage units are, they're probably full of like nothing, like just garbage. Just So they'll have to take the treasure from her. Tasha tells Jess that she's insane for lying to those agents. But Jess is like, they weren't real agents. Otherwise, they'd know that she can't be an agent until she's an American citizen. So that was pretty smart right there. She says also their badges were totally fake. She knows this because every FBI badge is signed by the current US, United States Attorney General. Their badges, you know, their regular badges, not their um, round the neck badges, their wallet badges, they were signed by the President of the United States. So she noticed that like like right away. I don't even remember them. They must have flashed. They did flash her, I think. So Tasha's like, how do you always notice stuff that no one else notices? And just as like her, her mom said she got it from her dad and that it would, Event will eventually get her into trouble, so she figures out where um, she figures out that they the two must have been treasure hunters. Sadusky said not to trust anyone, and Tasha says, "Well, we have to open the letter, see what it says." So in their apartment, they get there, the place is trashed, and Tasha's like, "We've been robbed," and Jess is like, uh, "Except they didn't take our Xbox," and Tasha's like, "Or the laptop." So she's like, "The fake feds." So she put the letter in a box of Sadusky stuff, and she's like, it was right here. And then someone's coming. They're back. So it's actually Oren. He actually took took the box when he was moving out. So Jess gets rid of him right away, whatever, because you know they don't want him to, to know about whatever. So she opens the letter. It's a picture, Sadusky and his family. To Liam, there's no greater treasure than time. I hope one day you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Love, Grandpa. She's like, I got to give the letter to Liam. You know, it was Sadusky's dying wish. And then she looks at she looks at Instagram. There's 27 Liam Sadusky's, but only one who lives in Baton Rouge. And it's like, that was so friggin' easy. And it just happens to be the one person who happens to have his location turned on. Tasha questions, you know, why? But then she's like, woo, he is fine. Because she sees a picture of him with a guitar. And he's got this little mustache, which kind of bugs me. Jess is like, oh, he's playing at Squeaky Pete's tonight. So at the club, Tasha's pushing Jess to have like an open mind since she's not dating anyone. So they see he's on stage singing and he's like playing his guitar. And Jess is like, wow, he's actually really good. But no one's like listening. So he's like, oh, I'm going to take a short break. Then they, as they're walking close, they see Ethan's there with this other girl. And they're like, who is that? And Jess is like, she was two years behind us. He's like, but he hasn't mentioned her. And Tasha's like, but he tells you everything. And she's like, huh. But then she, she goes up to him. She's like, I really like your song. And he then uh, the, Liam's like, I didn't think anyone was listening. So she says that she knows who uh, he walked away from, his grandpa. And she's like, I have a letter for you. And he's like, you opened it? It was like, how do you know it wasn't opened? It was like never sealed or whatever. And Tasha's like, in my in our defense, you know, we thought it was a treasure map. So And then he's like, right he's like you can keep it just like no it's a picture of you and your grandpa he's like in that case you can burn it just is like you know she's like i don't know what happened between you but you know your grandpa apologizes in the letter he's like apologizes why did you say so in the first place and he just walks away later she put like the box of stuff in a dumpster but then you know she looks at the picture one more time 
She looks at what Sadusky was holding. It's like this weird gavel, like this metallic gavel. She digs through and she finds the same gavel in the box. So Jess barges in when Tasha's live streaming. She just like gets in front of like the laptop and she's like, she closes it. So she's like, I need to borrow her. I, I think Tasha would like freak out a bit more if this is like her big money making YouTube channel. But then she's like, remember when we thought this picture was just a picture? It's a clue about the gavel. Sadusky said that my father wasn't a thief and a reckless good for nothing. He knew men like him, men who did what was considered wrong in order to do what they thought was right or what they knew was right. She says that she's going to Sadusky's Masonic Lodge. And if she doesn't come back, call the police. And Tasha grabs her laptop. She's like, wait, wait. So she's going with. They get on a bus. Somehow she knows that they're being followed. And she acts like she's taking a selfie, but she zooms in on the car. She's like, it's a fake feds. And Natasha's like, and we're just going to lead them right to the treasure. So Jess goes up to the driver. She's like, stop the bus. He's like, oh, I can't. It's against the rules. And she's like, my friend's about to puke. So then Tasha acts like it. So they stop the bus. The fake feds slam on the brake. You know, they get out of the car. Jess and Tasha duck into this restaurant. And uh, the mater D's like, you're like, wait, you can't go in here. And Jess is like, oh, we're being chased by the paparazzi. He's like, this is Tasha. And uh, Tasha's like, with $2 signs. And Jess is like, she played John Adams' wife, Abigail, in, in Hamilton. And he's like, oh, you, you were amazing. She's like, you can go through the kitchen. And there's an exit to the back. Inside, there's like, there was no Abigail in there, whatever. They're like, there should have been. The fake feds come in, waving their little fake badges around her neck. And he's like, you can't go in there. But then they, they like, bully their way. So they arrive at the Masonic Lodge. They knock on the door. They said that they're the cleaning crew. Dude, who's like, no, you're not. And Jess extends her hand and like a secret Masonic handshake. And then he's like, uh, the mops are in the back. <laughs> so she says that she saw it in a photo or something like that. The, the one that Sadesky was holding up, I guess. Or the, the, in, in a picture of him holding the gavel, he's doing this like, like Mr. Spock thing, whatever. So she goes to the same um, spot and there, there's something in the altar. There's, there's like a, a, a bunch of stars all the same except for one she puts the end of the gavel in the hole it fits perfectly she turns it and then the she's like the clues in the reflection so the only thing she can see is this one orb that's like on a post so tasha decides that she needs to start recording this so the sphere opens and there one of the relic cubes is in there and she's like i have no idea what it is it has a symbol on her necklace so they, they show ethan the video he's like you stole something from the masonic lodge and, you know, he's, like, all, like, defensive. And Jess is like, we didn't steal it. Sadusky said that the relic leads to the treasure of utmost importance, and he didn't want it to fall into wrong hands. And, and it can't be a coincidence that she tracked Sadusky down. So she thinks that her mom could have been wrong about her dad, and Ethan's like, well, what if she was right? And then he tells her that, you know, she can't take risks like this. You know, she could get deported. He's like, I know we don't like to say the D word. She says that, she's like, I know, but I'm doing this. But then he's like, well, I have to get to class. So then Jess's phone ring. It's Billy. She introduces herself like, hi, I'm Billy. And she's like, you know, she's looking for an obsidian relic for a very, very long time. She has reason to believe that Peter Sadusky pointed her to it. And Jess is like, those fake feds work for you. And she's like, I want that relic. Name your price. And then here's a part that bothered me. Jess is like, it's not for sale. Why would she admit that she even has it? She could be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But then, you know, again, she's like, it's not for sale, whatever. And Billy's like, oh, I thought you'd say that. So I invited your friend over for some shopping. 
Oren, do you like what you see? So they're like in the storage container, like out by the docks or something like that. And he's like, oh, this is unreal. He's like, you should have to wait in line all night for stuff like this. So he's looking at shoes. Billy walks away and she's like, let me name my price um, for you, your friend's life for the relic. And Jess is like, please don't hurt my friend. And Billy's like, well, that's up to you now, isn't it? Then in Mexico City prison, this guy calls out, Salazar. He's like, I know you're planning an escape. Take me with. And Salazar is just sitting in his cell drawing uh, he, something. He pins a symbol on the wall. There's lots of paper pinned to the wall. It's, he's, it's like this, the necklace symbol that he's drawing. That is the end of the first episode. And that was very long. Second episode, 102, The Treasure Map. So Billy has Oren in the shipping container. Oren tries taking a few boxes of shoes. He's like, oh, I have to bounce. But then the, the lady fake fed, she extends one of those like baton things, whatever those called, the metal things that like, I guess really hurt. She knocks his leg down and makes him fall. And Billy's like, oh, sorry. She's like, we're enjoying your sparkling personality way too much. They put like duct tape over his mouth. Then Tasha is like, okay, Billy. She's like, I don't know who you are. Or she's like, ah, there she is, Tasha Rivers. And she's like, how do you know who you are? I do my homework, darling. So then she's like, oh, then it won't be a surprise when I hijack all your devices and destroy you. I appreciate the heads up, but you should worry about your own firewall. And then Tasha's laptop glitches. And Jess says that, you know, she's like, she can have the relic. Good girl. I'll meet you at three o'clock at the port of of Baton Rouge, Oren for the relic. And Jess is like, no. She's like, I'm not doing that. You sent fake FBI agents after after me or whatever. You kidnapped my friend, and now you want me at some scary isolated dock? She's like, no way. And Billy's like, okay, then you pick the place. And Jess is like, the USS kid, we can meet at the gift shop. And then uh, Billy's like, oh, okay. And she's like, if you go running to the police, you'll never see a friend again. So Natasha's like, why the USS kid? And Jess is like, I... I worked there. The museum gift shop has a designated MP assigned to it. So Billy won't be able to pull any surprises or a gun. Jess is like, well, maybe we should go to the FBI. You know, Billy said no cops because maybe she has an informant there. So Ethan uh, checks in on them. Jess wants to leave before you know, he texts it. Jess wants to leave before he, he gets back. And Tasha's like, well, maybe he can help. And Jess points out that you know, he got mad that she took the relic. So she's like, imagine if we told him that Oren got kidnapped. So they go to the actual FBI building, not worrying that anyone's watching them or anything like that. So Tasha's concerned about telling them that they stole a relic from the Masonic Lodge. There's this uh, this lady, young lady agent gets sent up. Her name's Ross. And, you know, because she was trying to talk to Superior about, about a case. And he kind of like shuts her down. He's like, oh, you have a couple walk-ins to deal with. So, you know, no one wants to deal with that. So Jess tells Ross that her friend was kidnapped and there was a, a ransom demand. Jess takes out the relic. She's like, it's supposed to lead to a treasure. He's like, that's what this old man, Peter Sadusky, told me. He was a retired FBI agent. So they tell her, and they're like they're saying all this in the lobby, whatever. So they tell her about the meeting at the gift shops in 30 minutes. And Ross asks for the kidnappy's name. And Tasha's like, Sam Samuels Jr. Sam Samuels Jr. And, she, and then she's like, and your names? Tasha's like, Jane Dover's instead of Jane Doe. And Jess starts to say her name, but then Tasha's like, Jen Lopez. She goes over the details, like all of us like that. And Tasha says, you say it like you think we're lying. And Ross is like, you know, I'm new here. 
She's like, I know someone paid you to, to prank me. And she like turns around and looks at the camera. And Jess is like, we're not pranking you. And Ross says, then let's go file a report. But falsely reporting a kidnapping. And she, you know, she's like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and that relic will go into FBI evidence. And Jess is like, no. She's like, I'm not, we're not filing a report. And then they leave. And Jess is like, now you know, we're on our own. So on a the bus, they're looking at the relic. Uh, the design and the, the symbols don't move. She's, but then she's like, where's due north? So she's like, every phone has a compass on her. So she's like, there's, there's a compass inside. So it's, it's supposed to be a, it's a puzzle box. Sometimes puzzles are stories. Start with the sun. So there's like these images of that. Shining down on a rabbit goes to a briar patch and then it opens. <laughs> it's like, that's it. The box, and there, there, there seems, there's like sections of a map or something like that, but they don't match up. So Tasha takes pictures of like the, the sides or something like that. And they have 10 minutes to, to get there. They call Ethan. He's at their place. And she says, we're playing an online attorney role-playing game. Like, if we have a, a, if a suspect kidnaps a person, but you can't prove it, can you get them arrested for smaller crime first and then prove it? And he's like, sure. Misdemeanors lead to felony arrests all the time. And then, you know, he's like, but what? And she's like, okay, got to run. Thanks. So she tells Tasha she's cooking up a way to bust Billy. So they, you know, take sh um, shoplifting very seriously at the museum gift shop. The fake agents are threatening Oren. They take off his tape and they cut his zip ties, you know, if he makes any moves or anything like that. Jess and Tasha arrive at the gift shop, so they seem to be early. They see the MP, but then he leaves the area, he goes down these stairs. So Tasha follows him. He goes, he's like walking, walking, he goes in the bathroom. So Jess goes into a changing room. There's like this uh, like sales guy. He's like very talkative and everything like that. But then she goes into a changing room to try on a shirt. She opens uh, the puzzle box. She puts a souvenir bullet because he had mentioned this, whatever, the, the one dude mentioned a bullet. She puts a bullet keychain inside. And then when she comes out, Billy was like, oh, did you find anything you like? And she's like, where's the relic? And Jess is like, where's Oren? And so he gets brought in by some dude. She takes a relic out of her backpack. The, the pushy guy, the salesperson comes up to Billy and asks, like, oh, do you need anything? And he just like keeps like bugging him, whatever. Tasha goes into the bathroom, talks to, you know, the, the, the MP is like, you can't be in here. And she's like, oh, why is that? And she starts talking about gender equality and oppression and stuff like that. So finally, like, oh, fine, the bathroom is yours. The sales guy is still talking. So Jess takes out the relic wrapped in a scarf. Billy sees it and she's like, that's better. And so she goes to leave and alarm goes off. And then she slips the, the scarf and stuff to this other dude. He leaves and an MP goes up to Billy and she's like, do I look like someone who would steal? And the, the MP is like, I'm sorry, but I have to check your purse. She's like, but I don't have one. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. You're free to go. I guess she couldn't have stuck it in, in any pockets or anything like that. So just like she kidnapped our friend and the MP asks Orange, like, is this true? He like hesitates. And then he's like, I don't know what these girls are talking about. So Tasha asked Orange, she's like, what was that all about? You know, we had a really good plan to get Billy arrested. And he's like, they were going to kill, kill you. He's like, they know everything about them. And Jess is like, you saved our lives. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Liam's sitting with his mom. He says that she doesn't need to be there. And she can't believe that he still blames his grandfather for his dad's death. Liam says that he can't believe that she doesn't. 
Gina says, his mom, Gina, she says that, you know, his dad was a grown man who made his own decisions. No one forced him to go looking for her. Then he's like, you know, if I get any money, it's like, I'm moving to Nashville. And he's like, there's nothing for me in Baton Rouge. Then the lawyer comes in, says his grandfather left him his house. And Liam is like, I thought he was going to leave me a few grand or something. The mom's like, um, it's worth way more than that. The lawyer's like, eventually, to sell the house, there's probate, renovations, tax liabilities. You're looking at two, three years. It's like, really? And he's like, oh, even from the grave, he's giving me a hard time or something. I don't know. At the apartment, they order like some fancy pizza to make Orin feel better. So Billy's ahead of them since she has a relic. Orin wants to do something. Uh, he's like, what's our next move? So... You know, all he wants is to do is help Jess with secret maps. He's like, this must be the real deal, or they wouldn't have kidnapped him. Tasha is, is going to go look into Billy to see who they're up against. And But it's like, wait, why don't you look at the pictures that you took of the, the relic, the inside? Orin's going to work on the pizza, then he'll be on the clock. And Jess asks him not to tell Ethan that he got kidnapped because he'd freak out. Jess goes back to Sadusky's house. And it's, the front door is open, so she goes in there. It doesn't seem like anyone's home. She goes into, into Peter's office. She wonders if there's more clues. And she's, like, talking to herself, of course. Then she thinks back to the secret panel within the bookshelf, and she finds, like, a, a, his Masonic ring, I guess. She moves some – it's like, are there any more? She moves other books or something like that. She accidentally knocks some, some books down, and one happens to open, and the symbol on the relic in her necklace – happens to be on that page she asks a picture of peter did you want me to find this then she hears a noise so she like goes she grabs an umbrella or something like that she's like ready to attack liam busts in with like a fire poker ready to attack and he like recognizes her from the club he's like this is way past standing and she's appalled by the accusation and she tells him that she deciphered a picture he's like the one i told you to burn She's like, it leads to a relic. There was a puzzle box. When you open it, the pieces look like a treasure map. He sighs and he like scoffs. He's like, even on his deathbed, he convinces another idiot to embark on a treasure hunt. And she's like, did you just call me an idiot? He's like, there is no treasure and searching for it is dangerous. And she's like, I know it is. He t- or she tells him that her dad died when she was a baby. And the only thing that he left behind was the necklace. That's the same symbol that was on the puzzle box. He's like, well, I don't know what to say. And she's like, it's fine. She's like, I'm leaving. And then she's like, can I borrow this book? He's like, only if you throw it away when you're finished. So this guy, man, he's just, he's, he's something. On Billy's jet, she's back on her jet. She looks at the relic in a, this glass case. They run a scan on it so they can see to just put a keychain inside. And Billy says that it's a puzzle box and a girl opened it. The fake lady fed says, well, Sadusky must have told her how. And then Billy's like, but why her? Because it's funny how she's like, you know, there's no way she could have opened it. So she, someone must have told her. Oren's going to crash at Ethan's. Uh, Ethan asks if he st- struck out in a sneaker hunt. He's like, because I haven't heard about any new ones. And Oren's like, uh, they, they come out next week. And then Ethan's like, so you weren't on a sneaker hunt yesterday? He's like, No. Is that what Jess told you? And he's like, Yeah, that's what she told me. So then he backtracks. He's like, Oh, it was a bloodbath. He's he's like, What'd you get? Uh the galaxy inversions? Then Ethan comes up to me. He's like, dude, I can't tell you where I was. And he's like, Why was Jess covering for you? She wasn't covering for me, okay? And he's like, What what happened to me was because of her. 
And he's like, something happened to you? And he's like, he sighs. He's like, I'm fine now. He's like, wait, was this because of that treasure hunt? And Orin just looks at him without saying a word. So Ethan's like, dude, just relax. So Agent Ross, she's sitting at her desk looking at her notes from the meeting with Jess. She looks at, like, she looks up Sadusky. Uh, some files are brought to her because she can't find anything on, on a computer. She starts flipping through the pages. They're all, like, redacted. Lots of black, you know, black, blacked out everything. So obviously they won't help. So she's, like, kind of frustrated. Ethan catches up with Jess before her shift at the storage place. He says that he figured out the role-playing game was fake. And this guy is, like, so annoying. He's like, so, he's like are you her father? Like, what, what is going on? She's like, well, is Orin okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's like, but I, I came to see if you're okay. She's like, well, I can breathe again. She's like, I never thought, you know, any of this would put my friend's lives in danger. He's like, why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, it was scary and stressful. And he, he's like, we've never had secrets between us. I'm just like rolling my eyes. She's like, I know, like Mina. And she's like, how long have you two been dating? He's like, about six weeks. And she's like, wow, you must really like her. He's like, yeah, I do. Not sure why I didn't tell you about her. And she's like, how about a deal? No more secrets. And he's like, well, how about a pinky swear? And she's like, what, are we 12? <laughs> it's like, okay. She looks at the book while working. Tasha calls her. And, you know, so she thinks that the, the symbol might be Aztec, but there were other symbols. There's Mayan, um, and the Aztec and the Mayans weren't exactly friends. There's also Inca, but they're like way south. Her boss walks in and she acts like, it's like, oh, yes. And if you sign up, you get, you know, she's acting like she's on a business call. Then he's like, what are you doing here? And then he's like, OMG, like you kids say, I forgot to, to call you. Like you forgot to call me yesterday. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you missed yesterday, first day of the month, never been busier. It's like, I had to work like a dog. And you know about my sciatica, sciatica, right? And she's like, I switched shifts with Vince. And he's like, well, maybe you should have picked someone more reliable. He never showed. So guess who takes the fall? Who the 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 reliable, hardworking gal who knows a lot about everything, or the dude who he says isn't reliable. Liam and his mom are packing things up in uh, Peter's office, so she has, has to head to the airport. She's like, "But I'll be back for the wake." And he's like, "Wake?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's important. You know, people want to mourn, remember the good stuff." Then he gets a call about going to the club, and she's like, "How often do you play?" He's like, you know, a few nights a week. She's like, does it pay the bills? Not yet. She's like, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you're drifting like your dad. You know, ever since he died, Liam's like, I was 12. And she's like, your dad went from being a war hero to trying to hunt down treasures. You know, he had so much potential. I don't want to, want you to regret, you know, trying to go after unattainable, dream, unobtainable dreams and stuff like that. And he's like, I didn't realize you thought my dad was a failure. And she's like, that's not what I said. And he's like, and you think I'm just like my dad? Jess comes home. Tasha's like, I reverse engineered Billy's attack and got all her deeds. Full name is Billy Pierce, a.k.a. Queen of Cryptocurrency, also an antiquities dealer. And Jess is like, hmm. And then Tasha's like, okay, what's, what's going on? She's like, I got fired. And again, it's just ridiculous that her boss would fire someone who's reliable for one shift. And, and, you know, she even showed, like, ambition. Like, she wants to be an assistant manager. She's initiative. She's fo fo solved that mystery that the FBI happened to come. 
So Tasha's like, well, there was a help wanted sign at Squeaky Pete's. You know, they're looking for a waitress. She's like, yeah, but Liam Sadusky works there. It's like, he's the last person I want to see every night. And Tasha's like, I mean, I guess we could always try to get a dance to go viral on TikTok for some extra cash. And she starts like kind of moving in her face, whatever. She's like, is that what you want? Or do you want to go to Squeaky Pete's? But it's like, okay, here's the other thing. Getting a video to go viral on TikTok, it's going to take more than that. <laughs> so then we see Ross is on the phone. She says, you know, an entire man's life can't be redacted. Her supervisor is surprised that she's still there because it's late. She's, he, she says that, he's like, oh, you ordered a toxicology report on Peter Sadusky? Why? She mentions those walk-ins. They had a crazy story that she thought was a prank, but there's more to him than she knew. You know, he arrested the guy who stole the Declaration of Independence, which was in the first movie. The boss says that, yeah, he was an American hero. And she says that she thought that she should investigate his death. Then her boss or supervisor's like, I was friends with Peter. I worked with him in a couple really big cases. Then his son died and he was never the same. He was eventually dismissed from the FBI. She's like, oh, that's sad to hear. And he's like, yeah, he had a turbulent last decade fighting dementia. Finally passed away peacefully in his sleep. She's like, do you want me to cancel a toxicology report? He says, let's give the man some dignity. But it's like the way he says is like, is he in on something? It just seems kind of kind of sketchy. Jess is told at at the bar that the the job is mostly waiting tables, and she doesn't ha have any of that on her resume. She's like, yeah, but I worked at a lot of places. He's like, yeah, but this job takes training. It's like, and I don't have time. She says that well. I've only been here. Well, first of all, there's no one else applying, obviously, because how long it's been a couple days, whatever. She's like, I've only been here a few minutes and I can see table one needs extra napkins because a lady has never eaten barbecue before. The sodas from the fountain are flat. So that means the machine needs CO2 and that stool at the bar has a wobbly leg. It won't make it through the night. And he like sees this. He kind of scoffs. He's like, wow. He's like, any chance you can start right now? She's like, yes. She's like, I'll go get you a server's apron. Then Liam walks in. He's like, you're never going to leave me alone, huh? She's like, I just started working here. And no, it's not, not to talk to you about treasure hunts. She's like, I needed a job. Got it? He's like, okay, Stan. <laughs> and she just like glares at him. So obviously, you know, these two are going to start liking each other, right? She works, listens to his music, and not a single person claps, which is like ridiculous. I don't think this would happen. So the boss talks to the Liam. He's like, you know, I'm reconsidering the whole idea about doing live music here. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing karaoke. He's like, really? You want, want drunk college students mangling Sweet Caroline every night? The boss is like, you know, you've been doing the musician bartender thing long enough. You gave it a shot. I think it's time for you to get back to the bar. So he's bummed. And I mean, the thing is, no one is appreciating him. So what does he expect? So he looks at Jess. He's like, you, what time do you get off? And she's like, if you're asking me out, my name is Jess. And no, I'm not interested. And, you know, she's like, I'm oh, serious. I'm not going to talk to you about treasures. He's like, well, I have something that you might want to see. And she's like, why to change a heart? He says, well, let's just say I come from a long line of crazy and I want to prove that I'm not. She's like, well, I'll need more than that. He says that his dad died hunting this treasure. Some people think he's a failure, but you coming out of the blue, maybe it's a sign or maybe I'm supposed to finish what he started. That's why you're doing this, right? To finish what your dad started. So they go to Peter's office. There's another secret compartment. He's like, hopefully he didn't change the combo. 
it's a different shelf. This door opens. There's a whole hidden room. Lots of stuff inside. And she's like, is this all connected to the same treasure? He's like, yeah. It has to do with conquistadors and Aztec. It's like, and your dad's necklace. She says, you know, all these years, her mother never told her what it meant, you know, because she didn't want her to end up like her dad. He says that she's going to find out that they have a lot in common. Then he hands her a file. He's like, this is what started it. It's in Spanish. So she looks at it and she's like, I don't understand. And she's like, the author of this paper is my mom. How's that for it? See, how is that for Cliffhanger? Now you got to wait a week. You got the first two episodes. First episode, eh. Second episode, yeah, there's there's cheese, cheese up the wazoo here. But what's going on? What did the mom know? So, yeah, I'm going to watch the third episode, and I'll, I'll talk about it next week. Because the main character is, is likable, and and I want to support a Latina character, you know, I, I think that that's, that's important. Even though I don't have a, a Latina, a Latinx agenda, I do think it's, I can see the importance of it. And I am curious about this, uh, what they're going to do with this treasure and how it's going to be, even though there's some cheese, like, you know, Catherine Zeta-Jones is like your typical cheesy villain, but whatever. So I, I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know, at least a few more. It, it's, it's making me cringe a little bit, but not enough that it's, it's completely turning me off. So let me know what you think. All right, with Doom Patrol, season four, episode three, Nostalgia Patrol. So it starts off, Rita is watching soap operas. You know, she's drinking, she's eating, she's miserable that the team chose someone else to lead them besides her. And then she starts critiquing like the acting and the doorbell rings and she's like, door, but no one else is there. So, so finally she, she gets up, but there's no one there. And when she finally answers the door, but then this flyer lands and she like, picks it up. It's like Rita Farr retrospective at the Cloverton Art House. And then she smiles and she's like, for moi? And it's, I would be like, wait, I, I mean, I guess it'd be hard, you know, but it's like, there's, there's gotta be something up with this. Then we, Jane's lying in bed. So I guess she was home. Yeah, she was there. Uh, she's trying to figure out what her new purpose can be. You know, if, if she's not gonna be protecting Kay. So, and then she tries listening to some music. It doesn't really work. And then she goes back to the puzzle. And then she notices that, like, some of the pieces aren't even the same size. So she's like, ah. And then she sees an eyeball in one of the pieces. And she's like, Shelly? So Shelly was from the, when they, the, the sisterhood of Dada or whatever. The smoke starts coming out, like, kind of overtakes her. And then she's just, like, leans back. And and I was like, wait, did, did she just have an orgasm from the smoke? It's like, what's going on? Because then it cuts to Detroit. Vic walks into this pizza joint and three of his, his, his bros are there and one's like, Hey, where's the tech? And, and the other's like, Oh, it's, you know, cyborg was badass, whatever. And the third's like, you know, that that's quite a change and everything. And they're like, you, do you still have your powers? And then there, one of them's Derek's the only name I caught. Never did I remember it. He takes out this little robot that they made when they were in a robotics club. And it seems like they're a little leery with Vic because, you know, they, so I, I don't remember who he was, texting about about meeting up but then you know he he's trying to get them they finally all like go booyah you know reminiscing about the old times or something like that larry's trying to talk to keeg because he's taunting him in the walls uh, larry's trying to make pancakes in the kitchen and the, the lights keep like kind of flickering or whatever then madame rouge comes in and they're talking whatever and she says that he might just want to consider that Keeg is just gone because you know he did leave him in the future so the chances are he's gone for good 
And, you know, she's like, you know, maybe you just need to find some purpose. You know, do you have any powers without Keek? And he's like, yes, or no. He's like, it's complicated. And she's like, well, you know, you can just enjoy the peace and quiet, you know, move forward. She's like, that's what I'm doing. You know, leaving my past behind me and starting afresh. And he's like, he thinks that, you know, since she's been voted team leader, it's like, oh, is this supposed to be like a wellness check-in or something like that? And she says, well, she just figures that, you know, she can try to at least be a better leader, you know, better person or whatever. And he's like, well, before you start checking in on us, uh, you know, maybe you should make amends with the person you hurt the most which is Rita. Rita's at the theater now. She you know, has a scarf overhead and she's got all this popcorn and she's, there's no one else there. And she's like, oh, perhaps my fans are running late, whatever. The movie starts, it's her, her first movie. And then some green smoke starts pouring in and she like, she smells something and then it like knocks her out. And then the smoke just kind of like goes towards the screen. Zvik comments, he's like, oh, manager, I forgot the manager's name. He's like, he, he gave us a hookup. And one dude's like, we're loyal customers. She's like, the three of us have been coming here every week for years. The one, one guy, is, he mentions that he, he's like, oh, I, I could eat a whole one of these pies and, and I could tell my mom I ate all my vegetables. And then he like, the another one like gives him a look like, dude. And then he apologizes Vic and Vic's like, oh, it's, it's okay to talk about my mom. And he, he's like, you know, he's like, by the way, thanks for being pallbearers. And one of them was like, you knew? And Vic's like, he's like, yeah, I was still recovering, but you know, my dad told me. Then the other one's like, you know, well, it's too bad you couldn't say goodbye. You know, she was the best. You're like, yeah. And Vic's like, oh, it's fine. He's like, I got to see her in the afterlife. And one's like, what do you mean afterlife? Like in a dream? And Vic's like, like, no, I mean, you know, where you go after you die. And they're just like staring at him. He he says that him and Doom Patrol, they all died or half died. Then a, a couple go save them. They survived. It's not the easiest thing to explain, he says. But then one's like, well, he was a superhero, dude. And no one was like, no, 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 no was a superhero so then another is like why well, are you was she happy and vic's like she's living her best life so when to ask something like you know what's like being a superhero or whatever like that and vic's you know like what is he doing or and vic's like well i i gave one kid a second chance you know to try to do the right thing go down the right right path or something like that they don't really seem that impressed and he's like well you know, we did stop a testicle monster. You know, it was messing up shipping lanes and people couldn't couldn't get things like wood that they needed for their homes. And their other like, he's like, yeah, their their houses in the wood, their cabins or whatever, and stuff like that. But then one guy's like, Vic, this, Vic, that. He's like, that's all we've been talking about is Vic. And he's like, Vic, you you haven't even asked your best friend Derek what he's doing. Then he's like, he did what we promised to do. He's changed the world, starting locally in Detroit. And Vic's like, that's awesome. He's like, yo, D. He's like, tell me about it. And he's like, I start a robotics club, you know, here in Detroit. And, you know, I, I teach kids, kids how to build robots. Another you know, the, the other guy, he's like, oh, he's being modest. He's like, the kids love it. He's like, the stuff they're building is like next level. And Vic's like, I want to be part of that. He's like, let's bring back the old robotics dream team. The the, the grumpy one, he, he kind of like rolls his eyes or whatever. And then Vic's like, so how do I volunteer? And Derek's like, uh, you know, these guys volunteer. You know, they, they help me out. He's like, I can count on them. So I'm good. Then the manager comes on the intercom before you know Vic can reply to that. He starts talking about these group of kids that they're now the reigning champs of laser tag. He, and he's like, "Is anyone you know brave enough to take on the champs?" And Vic's like, "Hey, let's take our title back." And one, the one dude's like, "Ah, oh, you know, we haven't played since you left." He's like, "We're rusty." But then Derek's like, "Hey, you know, loosen your turtleneck." He's like, "We got this." So they're gonna play laser tag at the theater. The movie's still playing. Rita wakes up on a sofa. And she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 because she's in the movie now. 
So, and she's, you know, her mom is with her. She's supposed to be marrying this rich dude or whatever. He comes in, he gives her this big, like, diamond necklace. You know, it's like a jewel for his jewel. You know, then she's finally like, oh, why not? She's like, do I not deserve to be loved and embraced? You know, whatever. So she, you know, she's really getting into it. And then when she's, she says that, like, some purplish liquid kind of, like, starts dripping inside the big diamond. Cliff is sitting in like the, the library or whatever. He's like duct taping the oven mitt to his hand because he doesn't want to touch anything to, until he can touch his, his grandson. Jane comes in and he's like, oh, what's up with you? He's like, wait, are you glowing? And he's like, you look different. Did you get a haircut? She's like, no, no, no. And she's like, shut up. And she's like, do you remember when we were in Cloverton and, and Flex, Flex Mentallo, he did that thing and we all felt it. And Cliff's like, uh, if you're talking about the orgasm thing, I don't want to talk about it. And she's like, why? He's like, because, Jane, maybe I don't want to talk about orgasms or feelings or, or touching little butts that go pop in your hand. He's like, what? I don't know what he meant by that. Then Jane's like, okay. He's like, what's up with you? Then Larry's, you know, he, I didn't even realize he was there at first because he's on the other side of the room. He's like, he's like, we should all agree that we're going through a little something. And, and he's like, you know, maybe we all just need to sit here in peace and quiet. But then the alarm goes off. So Madame Rouge comes in. She's like, team meeting. And she says this is a new kind of mission with one that focuses on team building and togetherness. She talks about like trust, and it's it's, it's like an acronym. I forgot what it, what it stands for. But Larry's like, uh, we actually trust each other, or or we did, but we don't trust you. And Jane says that you know they voted for her to be a hard ass, and she's like, what's what's this softer wimpy poop? And Rouge says that. You know, she's like, well, correct. They did choose her, and she has devised a plan. So here it is. Their first trust-building exercise will be to support Rita at her movie retrospective. And she has a flyer. And Cliff's like, what movie retrospective? Jane, you know, sees, you know, she's looking at it, and she's like, the Cloverton Art House? She's like, the town is full of dimwits. He's like, do they even have an art house? So, you know, I guess, you know, it seems fake or whatever. Cliff says that the Clovertonians detest them, especially Rita. So it doesn't add up. And Rouge says, you know, all the more reason to show Rita their support. So Jane's like, well, why didn't she tell us? And Larry's like, well, maybe she was hurt when, you know, we, we didn't choose her as team leader. Jane's like, oh, fine. She agrees to go. Cliff's going to go too. But Larry's like, you know, I, I think I'm going to sit this one out and try to find my kid. And Cliff's like, seriously, you're going to sit here with your manipulative kid who abandoned your self-flagellating butt? Or are you going to support your best friend, Rita? And Rouge is like, F yeah, Rita. And Jane's like, Rita. They're all like, Rita, Rita, Rita. So Larry's like, ah. So he's going to go. They all go to the theater. And Cliff's like, where is she? Because no one's in there. And then Larry's like, shh. He's like, this is secret rendezvous. Because Larry knows like all about her movies. So Larry explains what's going on in, in the scene or you know, where they're at. And then then as they're watching, Cliff's like, wait, this isn't the lines in a movie. And then the dude in her scene just, you know, he yells because he's, he's supposed to kiss her or something like that, but then he doesn't he doesn't want to, or I don't know. Then he's like, oh, let's just get this scene over. He's like, I haven't seen my family in years. And then um, he like kind of like starts ch choking or whatever. And then he disappears, just like that. Like, ding. Then Rouge stands up. She's like, hold on. I think Rita might be in this movie. And Cliff and Jane's are like, no sh or no poop. <laughs> and she's like, no, in the movie. Then Rita yells. She's like, what's going on here? They, they she's someone I wait, someone smelled like coconut cream pie or something. There's like green smoke and she disappears. And there's also smoke in the theater. And Cliff's like, Does anyone smell Nutella? Then 
he and Jane pass out. Larry passes out. And Rouge is like, oh, for fudge's sake. And she turns into a bird and she flies out of there before it, the smoke takes her. So Rita, now she finds herself in black and white. So she's like, oh, I'm in, she's in The Haunting of White Manor. So it's the other movie she made. It's supposed to be like a horror movie. And, she, you know, she's like, this movie gave me nightmares. She's like, I am not amused. And she starts cursing, whatever, like that. And more liquid starts dripping in her, her jewel. Cliff is still at the rendezvous thing because he recognizes the gazebo. He, so he, he, you know, he's in secret rendezvous. And he's like calling out to Rita. This dude comes out. They, they start talking and, and stuff like that. And finally, he says that, He's there because of someone calling themselves Dr. Janice. That their orders is to get Larry's friend, Rita, to emote as much as possible. So Dr. Janice controls everything about the place. And he says that he's been trapped there for years, so maybe the two of them can find a way out of there. Rouge is back at the mansion. She's cursing. She looks at the flyer. At the bottom, it says Dr. Janice Productions. So she thinks about that, and then she, she kind of recognizes the name. She goes through like old like uh, Niles files. And there's like a bunch of redacted stuff. She finds a name, Dr. Janice, category, emotional vampire. And she's like, fudge. Weakness, fragile ego, lacks empathy. Weapon creates artificial realities, hallucinations. How to combat, it's all blacked out. So she's cursing Niles, like called her. She's burnt, like just cursing him out. So, you know, the, he left the most important piece of information out. Cliff and Jane are walking around in black and white and Jane's, she asks, she's like, are we going to want to read his movies? And Cliff's like, I don't know. He's like, I never saw one. He's like, every time I try to watch one of her movies, Top Gun comes on. And Cliff's like, you know, is this supposed to be a horror movie? Because it's not scary. And, you know, it's like someone walks behind them, but then they, they don't see anything, whatever. And then they, they get scared by this creepy kid. And they, they run. And they're like hiding in a closet. <laughs> At the laser tag, you know, they're taking out some of the kids. And Vic tells his, his buddy, he's like, he's like, go, I got your back. And he's like, yeah, that's what you always said. And then you left. Vic's like, I didn't leave. He's like, I was grieving. And Derek's like, we were all grieving too. He's like, you know, the more we reached out, the more you backed away. So they, they, they go back and forth and everything like that. And Vic's like, well, you know, I found you now and, and I'm here. I'm trying to, to make up for the, the time we lost. And Derek's like, except you can't. He's like, too much time has already passed. He's like, you missed out on the stuff that, that made us the men that we are today. And Vic's like, I didn't ask to become cyborg. And Derek says that, you know, Vic was Mr. Invincible, because that's what they call the robot, for all these years while they were vulnerable. Like, even now, with his synthetic skin, it's impenetrable. He's like, you know, he's like, mine is not. Vic's like, you know, I, I lost my best friend, too. And he's like, you know, can't that be enough? And then they both get shot from behind, and the game's over. Cliff says sorry to Jane for blowing her off earlier. He's like, they can totally talk about orgasm if she wants to. And she's like, you remember that, that fog, right? And, you know... The sisterhood of Dada, and he's like, yeah, I hate those fudges. And Jane says that, well, she saw her eye in a, a puzzle piece. So then this mist came out of the puzzle, and he asked if it felt real. And then, then Cliff's like, oh, poop. He's like, the mist seduced you? And she's like, is that weird? And he's like, why? Because you blew a boner? Because you set one free? He says that like all of these feelings, he misses that one the most. And, and she, she says that, He's disgusting, but also in her entire life, no one or nothing has ever touched her like that. So he says, well, what's the problem? Sounds like you liked it. And she says, it's not about whether she liked it, but she has to think about what's best for Kay. And Cliff's like, well, just forget about Kay. Rita starts talking about the, the creepy kid that 
she also she knows that his real name is Orville. You know, she's like, I'm not afraid of you, whatever. And she says that at first she felt good to be in her movies, but now she wants out. The green smoke engulfs her. The creepy kid says to do as she says, or she's going to make things worse. And Rita's like, how could things be worse? And the kid's like, not for you, but for your friends. So Rita's like, what are you talking about? And then the, the smoke engulfs her. Rue says that, you know, there's no way to save them. She's, you know, sent them to their death. The mission was supposed to be trust. She can't even trust herself. So she's going to, she's going over things and she's taking like a shot with each answer that she comes up with or whatever. So she's getting pretty drunk. She figures that she's going to need a bigger bottle. She leaves and then Keeg floats like over the papers. Rita wakes up like on a space planet. And then Larry calls out to her. Larry, Cliff, and Jane are like in colored space fleet suits. Uh, and they're with that other guy, but he's like in regular clothes. She's like, my friends, you're here to save me. Cliff's like, you were in Star Trek? You never told us you were in Star Trek. And Larry's like, we're in Spartacus 452, Rita's first sci-fi movie that initially was also her first box office failure. And you know, then he's like, oh, sorry, whatever. But Rita says that she appreciates them all coming, but they're endangered. This is a trap. And Jane says, she's like, we know that. And she's like, you do? And Jane like, well, like, just points at their outfits or whatever. And then uh, Larry says that they have to watch out for Dr. Janice, that she's an evil being that has trapped everyone in her movie retrospective. It's like even his new friend. And then he's like, wait, I'm sorry. I never caught your real name. The man's like, oh, call me Mr. 104. And they're like, huh? They're like confused. He's like, the periodic table? He's like, seriously? I looked it up. It's Rutherfordium. I was like, okay. Larry says that the point is he thinks this Dr. Janice wants to collect her emotional juice in that necklace or something like that. Rita laughs. She's like, well, she's not going to get it in this movie. She's like, I took this role for the money. The dude said that, well, perhaps they need to up the stakes then. Cliff, Larry, and Jane, they, they dis disappear, and then they're screaming. Now they're behind Rita in a cage, and it, like the cage is like and, and this little piece of rock that's like above a bunch of fire, and there's like this old rickety wooden bridge that leads to it. Rita, she asked the guy, she's like, what did you do? He's like, me, nothing. He's like, I'm a man of many elements, but this was all her. He's like, allow me to introduce you to Dr. Janice. She steps out from the, behind this rock, and you know she's kind of kind of short, you know, uh, glasses, whatever. Dude snaps his fingers, and then fire blazes beneath the cage, and they scream and like cursing some more. Dude's like, "That was all me." And Rita's like, "Well, what are you doing?" It's like they'll burn alive out there. And he says that he knows. He's like, "Isn't it a pity?" Cliff yells at La at Larry. He's like, "That's your friend. Maybe you should try to be by yourself." It's like your choices are fudged. Jane tells him to shut up. She's like, you know, she's like, we can get ourselves out of this. So Cliff tells her, he's like, why don't you call Flit or Hammerhead or somebody? So Jane closes her eyes, but nothing happens. And she's like, I, I can't. Cliff can't break open the bars either, so they're all powerless. Then Rita's like, you know, why are you doing this? You know, what do we ever do to you? And Dr. Janice says that she has something that was never hers in the first place, something that was stolen from someone, you know, very special, and they intend to get it back. Rita's like, what do I have? My emotions? He's like, is that what you want? And she's like, well, I refuse to play, play along and let my friends die. So she goes to the bridge that's, that's going out to them. And she says that she usually says, you know, Fudge Niles Calder, but he gave her them. You know, they're her family. They're her home. You know, she earned this family and she'll be damned if, if she lets a, a D-movie villain harm them or take them away. 
And even though the people she loves more than anything chose someone else over her to lead them, a perfect stranger, she might add, she would die if anything happened to them. So she says that she's going to save them or they'll die together because she's not going to live her life without them. Then the crystal kind of shimmers and Dr. Janice claps. You know, she's like, bravo. The jewel like lifts up and floats over to Janice into her hand. Then she looks at 104 and she's like, Immortus will rise. So we, we saw that before. She turns to her friends and then uh, on, the, on the bridge, one of the plank kind of like gives out and she falls a little bit, but she, you know, she's still holding onto the railings. 104 is actually now, he's like holding onto the rope because I guess the rope snapped too. This blue light starts like zipping around and then like the sky's kind of changing. So Keeg is there and Larry's like, like, thanks. He's like, let's go home now. Then Keeg flies at 104 and he's like, no. So then they're suddenly back at the theater, but Rita's asleep. Outside the pizza joint, they, they say their goodbyes. Derek lifts his fist, whatever. And then he's like, you know, good seeing you, you know, good seeing you too. Then he stops. He's like, hey. I promise to share custody. I had him for the first 10 years. You get him for the next 10. So he gives him the, the little robot that they made. Starts walking away. And Vic's like, hey, Derek. He's like, I'm forever proud of you, man. And Derek just looks at him and then just keeps walking. The Vic's now in his room. He's looking at the robot. He hears like tires screeching, you know, Cliff's yelling. So he goes down. Rouge, he wakes up from her drunken stupor. They're, they're, they all come out together. Cliff's carrying Rita. And Vic's like, what's going on? And Larry's like, we don't know what's going on. And then that's how it ends. So something happened to Rita because she lost her necklace, her powers, her, her emotions. And I don't, that somehow put her in a coma. I don't know. So that was the end of the episode. All right. And now the movie feature is Avatar, The Way of Water. This movie, 192 minutes. That's, um, that's that's a long time. That's what two hours, three hours, and twelve minutes. It's like holy cow. Let me say, I did enjoy the movie. I I did think it's better than the first one. As, as so I mentioned, so if if you listen to the Secret Podcast, I, I talk about Avatar, and I I'm not the biggest Avatar fan. I I did not love the movie. I th- I thought it. I think I really think what made me think that movie was cool was the 3D. I like 3D, and it had good 3D. Because when I watched it in not 3D, I'm just like, this This is just an okay movie. But this one, I do think that there, there's way more to it. The the length, of, as as I'm, I'm watching this, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm interested, I'm intrigued. There's one thing in particular which I'll talk about towards the end, because I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. There's just one thing that I I did I really didn't like about the, the purpose or the direction of the story or the movie or whatever, but I, I you know yeah it's it's a necessary part, I guess. So as as I'm watching the movie and everything and you know it's it's interesting and everything, but I, I look look at the time and I'm like, holy cow, are you serious? Only an hour's gone by. There's still over two hours left of this movie. I was getting a little antsy. It's not that I was bored. It's not that I, I, I don't have an attention span. But I'm just like, oh, man. Maybe it, I, I might have been because it's like I got I to gotta watch Doom Patrol. I got to read more comics. I got to you know, get ready for the podcast. So it was just watching this. And, and what, so basically what, what happens, without giving too much away, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing. 
time has passed since the first Avatar movie. So if you know Jake Sully, he's now part, you know, he's merged with his Avatar body. He is with Zoe Saldana's character in the Tiri. They have kids and we find out more and, you know, other, other stuff. So he's just raising a family. They're doing their thing, hunting, just happy life and everything like that. But what do you think is going to happen? Like one of the things that I, I mentioned with the last movie, they stopped the the corporate dudes. But what's the what's to stop them, you know, from coming back? If if this mineral stuff that they were after is so expensive, th- th- why wouldn't they they send out more? You know, I, it's I guess it's a matter of cost effectiveness. Like how much do you want to spend to, uh, and trying to retrieve it? You know, how much did they lose already and, and so forth? And then there's the fact that how long does it take? Because I, th- I think, was it like five years? I don't even remember now. And, you know, so it's probably not going to be exactly five years because they have to, like, get things together and figure out what they're going to do and everything. So the the corporate bad guys, armies, they, they come back and they're, like, destroying stuff and setting, establishing new basic commands and, and everything like that. And it's just like, holy crap, this is expensive. And then one thing that it comes down to is there. There's a, a big idea of revenge against Jake Sully. That Jake is being blamed for their whole downfall from before, which is kind of silly. I mean, I guess he played a big role, obviously, but did, could they really see it that way? Do they not see that the idea that you can just go to some other planet that has a race of intelligent beings, sentient beings, and you you're just gonna shove your way and just destroy things and you know take their home and and the mine all this element stuff. It just seems so egotistical, absurd, or whatever. But you know that's I guess corporate whatever. A lot of this it it feels like it's really you know, they don't even really mention so much of the resources that they're trying to mine. It, there's there's one part that's mentioned later that's like even more intense than what was in the first m- movie, but it just really feels like this is all about trying to find and get revenge against Jake Sully, which is like, are you serious? And it's like, how much are you spending on this hunt against Jake? You got this whole planet. How the heck do you think you're gonna find one one blue alien? But blah, 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 there ends up being a, like a run-in and stuff like that. And then Jake's like, we need to leave. You know, it's not safe for the others here, and it's not safe for his family. So they're they're going to leave the, the trees. They're going to go somewhere else. And this is where things are, are really kind of interesting. This is where the movie drags. It doesn't really drag on, but this is where it, it just plays out. They end up, and the reason the movie's called The Way of the Water, and if you've seen the trailers, you know that there's a lot of stuff with water. They're, so they're not just in the trees anymore. They're hanging out in the water. They meet this other like race of beings or another species or whatever you want to call it. You know, they're they're bluish. They're a little lighter, lighter blue or whatever. And in spoiler, whatever. Instead of tails, they have more like like a fin that to, to help like to help them swim and, and stuff like that. Their hands are a little bigger and their hands are almost a little more like flipper like to help them swim as well. So we see a whole lot of this, this this community and like their ways, like the stuff that they do and how they survive and how they live and, and just everything like that. So it's it's really fascinating just to see all, all this the way the way it goes. I never even like considered that there'd be like 
differences like this. Yeah, I, I, not that I thought it wouldn't be possible. I just didn't even think about it. So we, we get this whole part here. And then there, there's a lot of stuff, which is like, eh, you know, you, I could take it or leave it. Stuff with the kids and then like other kids, you know, from the, the, the water town, the water people and, you know, some bullies and, and stuff like that. And so you, you get a little bit of all that. But I, I do have to say, the the CG and the voice acting is is like top notch. I mean, they really bring these these visuals to life. I mean, you really like feel like the emotion of these characters and and the scenes that they're trying to convey and you know how they feel or or don't feel about each other and everything like that. So I, I think they really did a good job with that. Just a lot of the facial expressions to express you know how they're feeling and and what's going on in their their minds and everything like that. It it, it just goes from there. And then, you know, you, you can kind of probably figure out where it's going to go. It's like, okay, they're making a home in this water village. Is that going to last forever or is, or is that the end of the movie? No, because there's still like two hours after that. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is such a long movie. But then like the last hour, the last six minutes, last entire hour of a movie. When you think about an hour, that's like, wasn't it like half the movie? No, this is like a third of the movie. The last hour of the movie so crazy intense so much action you know this is usually like the the final battle scene of the movie you know the climax or you know you got this this stuff happening but this is just so much stuff going on and it was it's kind of like edge of your seat stuff you're just watching this and it's intense and like oh holy cow and everything and and then even though this this one kind of stuff ends there's there's still more to it you know it's like the action is not over it because now this needs to be taken care of and it just it just keeps going so, and, and a lot of it was, was like really cool, like some cool action stuff, like stuff that you want to see. You're like, yeah, yeah, you know, do that. You, you, you deserve that and everything. But after all that, it, it really made me appreciate the overall movie because, you know, you get to explore this whole area and people and everything like that. And so we, it, it is a little, sl- not, not that it's slow like in a bad way, but it takes its time to flesh things out. And, and I kind of like that because, you know, sometimes things just zip by and we're just, it's, it feels like it's just sudden because maybe there's a passage of time and it's not like fully clear that time has, has passed. So I, I can see how that helps the story and gives you just a, a sense of the scope of what's going on and everything like that. But it's just like, oh, it's long. But it, it didn't like drag on. You know, I don't I don't want to give that that false impression. Like so for me, I was able to make it through an entire moving movie without having to the pee. <laughs> you know, because a lot of times there's been a couple times where we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna make it. But I don't want to leave and miss anything. It's I, I feel like they, they do a good job overall. And and I I kind of spoil some things, but not a whole lot. There's there's just a, some cool aspects of it. See, I, and I don't know how much more I, I should mention. I do really think you should see it in 3D. I I kind of wonder after I, when I watched it, I was like, oh, I did enjoy this and everything like that. But I was like, am I being bedazzled by the 3D again, like with the first time around? And if I watched it without 3D, would I be like, uh, okay? But you know, there, there's some some cool moments and everything like that, and. Like I said, I, I really think the 3D works to just show you everything. You know, there's there's a lot of fight in the water and above the water. And, you know, there's like, it's the water CG and the fire CG, you know, stuff. And 
there's just just so much to see. So it, it is worth watching, even though it's it's so long. It does, like I said, it doesn't drag on, and I, I think it's it's worth watching. The movie has a fifty point four million budget. Um, it looks like it's gonna make. Uh, wait, no, no, no. I take that back. The budget is three hundred fifty to four hundred million. The box office is fifty point four million. So it's it's got a got a ways to go. Um, I'm I don't I I don't know how successful this is going to be on rotten tomatoes i think it was like at a 79 it it, it dropped a little bit uh so like 79 percent of 253 reviews narratively it might be fairly standard stuff but visually speaking avatar way to water is a stunningly immersive experience so yeah i mean is there anything else for me to say about it you know there, there's supposed to be avatar 3 and then I think there's supposed to be four and five, but I think four and five really depends on how like two and three does. You can see, unfortunately, oh, should I mention a thing that that bothered me? Okay, I'm going to say this in a little bit. I'll do like one little spoiler because I, I don't know if it's, a, like I said, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. So they, there is something, you know, one big thing that, that can leave it open for a sequel and and just the fact that you know it's more on who you know who who survived what's what's going to happen you know so we have all that there, there's there's plenty that they could build on and just the fact that we've seen the tree people and the water people you know what else is out there you know it would be interesting to to see something else so that is basically what i have to say about avatar but there is one thing that may be a spoiler so just to give you warning in in case you don't want this spoiled, and it, it, it may be out there. I don't know. Okay? So in the count of five, four, three, two, one. So what we find out, the, the problem I had with the first movie, one of the, the main problem is this Colonel dude. He was just so viciously hardcore and just, just, just cruel. You know, he, you're killing these people, and, and you're treating them, you know, they're not human, so... They have no rights. That they they don't matter, and that just seems like a bunch of crap. But I guess that's reality. He doesn't survive. But what we find out is he had downloaded his memories just in case, like backed up his memories. They put his memories into an avatar. So his avatar, there's a, a the colonel in an avatar body. And he's the one that's that's like the main leading the charge against or to search for Jake in this movie, and it's just like more. To say, it's like, oh my god, are you serious? It's just like you're so hell bent on getting your petty revenge. It's like you are such a complete scumbag and doing such horrible things. You deserve what you got, but of course, you know they they don't see it as that they did anything wrong. So that's that's my main problem. But if you didn't have him. You don't have like the the villain that's causing all the problems. So I, I get it, but it's just like I don't have to like it. I understand it completely. Doesn't mean I have to like it or agree with it. But that's that's how it goes. So that's it. That's it. Um, go see Avatar. It's it's worth checking out. Um, like I said, better than the first one. And the first one is on on Disney Plus. If you want to check it out again, and you can become a patron. Listen to. The, the recap and, and, and thoughts on the first one. But that is going to be it for this week. 
So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes more of podcast entertainment. Last week, I talked about Avatar, as I mentioned. This week is going to be another movie that I haven't talked about. It's a, it's a newer one, fairly recent one. It's, it's an A24 movie. Let's just say that. That might be a big hint. Um, and sometimes I talk about comics. Um, I, I may go back to comics next week. I may do another movie next week. We'll, we'll see how, how things go. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. So what is going to happen next week? Uh, I guess I'm not going to the theater. Uh, Glass Onion comes out on, on Netflix on on Friday, December 23rd. So I'll watch that. I'll talk about that, and then there'll be you know more. Uh, there'll be I think one more National Treasure. There'll be another Doom Patrol. Um, Doom or His Dark Materials. I, I'm not sure. So you know I got a lot to catch up on. I, maybe I'll try to maybe do two because, yeah, I, I, I just feel really bad that it's so far behind. And maybe I'm just making a bigger deal than, it, you know, maybe it's okay if, if it's so. I don't know. I, I just I just feel bad knowing that there's so many out and I'm this far behind because normally I wouldn't. I would just say, well, I'm just not going to cover it. But I don't want to just abandon the show. So that is going to be it for this week. Um holidays are coming up whatever you celebrate i hope you're doing well i hope you take care of yourself if, if you have time off of work i hope you find time to do something fun do stuff with your friends or family if you do have to work i hope things aren't too stressful you know with all the craziness of everyone and i hope people are, are like kind and compassionate and not ridiculous so just make sure you take care of yourself. Try to do something nice for someone else. You, you you have the power to make someone's day brighter by just smiling or just saying something nice to them. So just try to take care of yourself and make sure you remember to be good to each other. 